Today, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Genesis Gems episode 65, where we cover Shining in the Darkness. I am one of the hosts, Nick Stevens, and with me this time is... Hey, it's Aaron. How's it going, guys? Aaron. And gals, I hope. Guys and gals. There are some gals. But, yeah. Uh, we have a special guest with us this time. Who else is there? Yeah, speaking of gals. What? Yeah. <laughs> no way. I know that. I haven't heard that voice in six months. It feels <laughs> like it. It has been a while. What's up, guys? It's Paul. Paul. It's like yes. Paul from, uh, I should say Paul from Master System Masterpieces, yeah, since I never hear him on Retro Obscura. <laughs> That's right. I was say, this could be like Retro Obscura with Nick as the guest. But. <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> uh, except, I mean, the game we're covering isn't exactly super obscure. Very I mean, true. Maybe to some people. Somewhat. I think somewhat. Definitely. Which I mean, I would say that the overarching series is, you know, the Shining Force definitely yes, grew way t- more popular. The turn-based, definitely. And then uh, yeah. this game... But we'll game, get into that. Yeah. This game <laughs> yeah. this game and its sequel, I would definitely say its sequel is a um, very obscure game, which is uh, Shining in the Holy Ark of Saturn. Yeah, yeah. The sequel I don't think a lot of people more... have played that. And I don't even know if they really call it a sequel so much as a spiritual successor anyway. Yeah. Well, cool. So yeah, Genesis Gems. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the whole episode. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. We're done. It's a gym. Right. I, I don't know how many times we've made that joke now, but it never gets to me. <laughs> Where it's like we, we find a natural pause. It's like, I guess that's the end of the episode, guys. Time to pack it up. I leave those pauses in. I used to go through and edit all that out. I'm like, eh, who cares? <laughs> as long as it's not like a five-minute pause. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We'll be back. I'll just leave it blank. But yeah, so Genesis Gems. Uh... If you'd like to connect with us, you can check us out on our website at GenesisGemsPodcast.com. Go to Facebook at Facebook.com slash GenesisGemsPodcast. Join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash group slash GenesisGems. Send us an email at GenesisGemsPodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at GenGems. Uh, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. And we are part of the Retro Junkies Network at TheRetroJunkies.com. So, guys, I'm going to change things up a little bit. Um, for our Patreon guys out there, our patrons, I guess you'd say, I had been putting a little segment at the end of the show, um, and it's been a little hard to keep up with. So instead of that, um, this listener business segment that I do here, I'm just going to read these live. So we've had so many new patrons here lately. Thank you guys. We had a little challenge in our last show to uh, you know go out there and get some more patrons, and we've, we've, we're over our goal again. Uh, so thank you all so much for that. But I'm going to go down the list here. We want to say a big thanks to Chris Vanderhoff, big thanks to Daniel Tolan, Jared Adams, Andrew Coed, Bob Bailey, Timothy McGowan, Axel Hayes, Tyler J., Stephen Godvich, Chris Fox, Brody Pedal, Otto Gregerson, Jim Jones Jim, Martin Cook, Mighty Matt D., Gabe Van Gilder, Ian McGarry, Classic Gaming Quarterly, Cutta, NZ17, Ross Beck, Alex, Bastian O'Sara, Alex Ray, Jason Wilson, Bradley Smith, Retro Blist, Andy Layton, John Grayson, Joshua Witt, Landon Long, and Michael. Thank you all for being patrons. We got a big list now. I kept having to go, right. I kept going back and editing that, and you would hear me say like uh, Nick Stevens, Aaron Hickman, Paul Stevens. Awesome, <laughs> I, I just the, kept... the ultimate goal is for the credits to be longer than the actual yeah. show. <laughs> when we get there, that's when you know we've really made it. And uh, some of you guys that are doing the $3 a month or more uh, reward, be patient. Um, Landon and I are working on your greetings. And I know there's about three guys out there who are waiting on a, on a personalized song from Daya. So that'll have to happen sometime soon as well. <laughs> Not that I can. I don't see on death. <laughs> 
And uh, we had one email, which I thought was really cool. I wanted to read this. Uh, this email comes from Lamont Jackson. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and Lamont says, Hi, guys. I want to email you for three reasons. Number one, and most importantly, was to ask you to p- please promote one of my favorite retro gaming podcasts on your show. It's called Retro Gaming Reverly. R- I can't say it. And the hosts do such a great job covering and playing retro games in their own style that I think they deserve to be exposed to a larger audience. Give it a listen, and I think you'll agree. Uh, I will, I'll put that name on the uh, show notes, guys. Uh, number two, I wanted to suggest a game. I was never a big Sega guy as a kid, so Sega has a lot of new experiences to offer me today. And I heard of a game that I've never played but sounded intriguing, and I would love it if you guys would cover it. So I could tell you it's worth seeking out. Number three, since I was here, I figured I would ask Aaron a question. Game Gear was Sega's only handheld console, but what what do you think Sega would have come out with if they had tried to compete with Nintendo's Game Boy Advance? Also, something um. new... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Also, someone <laughs> needs to come out with a Game Gear game-by-game podcast because there are some great games that people need to play. Anyway, I need to reiterate that my main purpose for this email is to request that you spread the word about Retro Gaming Reverly. R-E-V-E-L-R-Y. How the heck do you say that? Rev- is it Reverie or Rever- Reverie? I, I, I'm, I'm tongue-tied. Is that like a Reverie? Rever- is there an L in there? Yeah, Reverie Reverly? You can tell I didn't go to school to be an English guy. <laughs> so I'm trying to... There's revelry? Rev- Are you I'm Googling trying to it? figure out what word Retro you mean. So give me, the, give me the context. Context clues. What? How would you use this <laughs> in a sentence? <laughs> I don't think I've ever used it in a sentence. Here it is. Retro gaming revelry. 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 Here you yeah, go. Yeah, so like, you know, you can revel in the past, okay? I'm such an idiot. Like, I feel really feel dumb right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah. you know, that's why you're the comic relief. I'm there you go. Comic <laughs> no. relief. I'm going to copy this. Uh... Lively. I'm looking at the definition. Lively and noisy festivities, especially when those involved are drinking a large amount of alcohol. So eat, drink, and marry for tomorrow we die sort of thing. There you go. <laughs> well, See, I, uh... I, can, I can quote Bible scripture. You got it. Well, I, got, I found their show note, or their uh, their podcast link, and I'll put that in the show notes for this. So thanks, Lamont. And there's also a question for Ask Aaron in there. I know it's not quite that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's okay. Um, I'll go ahead and just get in front of that one right now and say I think they would have brought out a portable Saturn-type console. But the only problem is, um, yeah, Game Boy Advance came out in about 2000, 2001, Right around when they stopped making hardware, because um, you're right, the, the, their act, the actual last handheld they made was the Sega Nomad, which is a portable Sega Genesis. So I, I would think logic would follow if they did a 32-bit equivalent, uh, portable Sega Saturn would have been phenomenal because, I mean, 2D games, uh, they had so many great 2D games on that platform. And by the time the Game Boy Advance came out, um, you know, 32-bit technology. The Game Boy Advance was 32-bit with some 16-bit trappings. There's a lot of SNES ports. I think uh, a 32-bit portable from Sega would have had a lot of Sega Genesis ports, but maybe upgraded a bit in the graphical fidelity. And, you know, Sega always rocked it with the music. I think they could have done even better than what the Game Boy Advance could do musically. That's my opinion. Very nice. Well, we definitely want to thank you for that email. I love getting emails. I'm, I know we don't get very many of them, so most of our interaction is on the uh, <laughs> Facebook group. So, love, love that. Keep them coming, and uh, we appreciate it. He said he wanted to. 
something about us playing a game, and I don't see what the game was. <laughs> so, so Lamont, if you meant to give us a game here, uh, send it back because I don't see anything in here about a game you want us to play. Then we. I think f- that's the joke, right? Maybe. He doesn't want us to play anything. Yeah. Stop doing your podcast. Stop doing. Stop talking. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> right. Stop it. Well, since we're in the Sega swing of things, let's go right to the next segment. This is Sega Snippets. Test one, two. Sega. Now it's time for Sega Snippets. Mine will be real quick. I mentioned this briefly on the Patreon episode, but I did get a copy of uh, Arcade Classics for the Sega Genesis. Uh, it's a cartridge that features Centipede, uh, Missile Command, and also has a uh, Pong game in it. And uh, one of the reasons I bought this, my kids had been watching that movie Pixels with Adam Sandler, and uh, my youngest kept saying, I want to play Centipede, I want to play Centipede. And I thought, well, what better way to play Centipede than getting on the Genesis? So uh, he surprisingly really likes it, and I think a lot yeah. of it's just because of the uh, the movie. And it was so cute, because as soon as I popped it in, he says, uh, Daddy, don't shoot him in the body or it'll split. It's like he already knew about the game because of the movie. Oh, that's great. See, my kids love, uh, same reason, they love Qbert because of Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, yeah. And so they played on the twenty six hundred, uh, and they just they just love it. Yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of Centipede. Um, I didn't play the arcade cabinet until a few years ago, but I had right when we got a computer when I was in high school, uh, Windows ninety five machine. I had a uh, floppy disk of a bunch of old arcade games, and Centipede was on it. And you actually just played it with your mouse, and it was real, so precise. And I played that game for hours. It was just one of those games you you, you could download the whole game to your computer, you didn't have a floppy disk in there, and I just clicked it like I was playing solitaire, and you know, beep 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 beep. beep. Love the sound effects and just love the idea of Centipede as a whole. So it's definitely one of my favorite arcade games, and was happy to kind of share that memory with my five-year-old son. <laughs> it's awesome. So here, here's an interesting thing for you, Nick. Uh, do you know why it's called Cubert? No. Why? Okay. Think about the name. It's a play on words. I, I never really thought about this growing up. I just thought, oh, it's just some weird <laughs> name. But say the name out loud, and and you might get it. Because what does the game revolve around? Cubes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cube-ert. Cube-ert. Yeah. I, I don't know why I didn't make that connection when I was a kid. I just thought it was a Q and Bert. I, I didn't think it made, made any sense well, or meant anything. When you first said that, my, my first thought was, is it something about his bad language? <laughs> <laughs> I was no, trying this is to a family actually, friendly show. Spell his spell his name backwards, like one of those words that go the other way. Turbert. No, that's not it. So how about you guys? You been up to anything involving Sega lately? Other than the game we're covering today? Um yeah. Uh, I would say so. And I was trying to think about what our podcast name would be backwards, and I was like, uh Smeg <laughs> Sis Eneg. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, so Sega-wise, of course, I played the game we're covering here. Uh, and then I started playing a few different... I wanted to explore some of the other Genesis RPGs, and I started downloading um, some of the Japanese, and uh, there's even a Chi- Chinese one um, that I downloaded that was translated to English. So I was checking out uh, Star Cruiser, which looks really cool. Um, looks really nice. Has some 3D and great music. And then I died within five minutes of putting the game in. <laughs> so then I played another game. And I played a game called 
Braver Battle Saga, um, <laughs> which I think will get an official release in English soon from uh, Pico Interactive eventually. But yeah, it it's one of the better looking RPGs I have to say on the system. Um, Gameplay is not too bad. It's pretty average, I would say, for an RPG. But uh, there's there's some pretty graphics in that game, and for a game that wasn't officially released, licensed by Sega, it's pretty impressive. Uh, so props for that. And then I started playing Fantasy Star 2 again because I always start that game, <laughs> and then I hit a wall and stop playing it. So I'm like, I'm gonna start it, and you know we'll we'll cover the game in like six months or a year, and by that time I'll actually have it finished. Is my goal. Um. But yeah, that, that, that's about it for me. I think I mentioned on our Patreon episode that I did manage to get my uh, old CRT hooked up again and figure that out. So I'm happy about that. And I got a PS4. Yeah. So got to hang out with my buddy Dan in Austin. Um, and he hooked me up with a PS4 and we got to check out, uh, got to check out his, his PlayStation VR and he had a copy of Res. <laughs> on the VR, which was amazing, which if you don't know, Res was a Dreamcast exclusive, and then it got ported to various systems later on, like the PS2 and the Xbox 360, and then later, um, you know, VR and PS4 and PC, and that's just, that's one of my favorite games. I hope we cover it on Patreon eventually. But uh, that's enough talking for me. What about you, Mr. Paul? Um, actually, speaking of, like, games that you were speaking of, Fantasy Star 2, I've been playing games that, like, at one time or another, I've, like, picked up and started playing or and just, like, kind of forgot about or haven't played. And um, one of them that I recently finished was uh, Vi for the Sega CD. Um, yeah. And a reason I played through it is because, you know, we're older, so, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough to find time to play games. For yourself, but like, man. You know, but <laughs> just kidding. the Such game, the game has like save points. You can save the game anytime, anywhere, basically, except for a couple like, you know, caves or dungeons and stuff like that. But yes, that's a really great feature. Um, so it helped me progress through the game. And it's a cool game. man. Um, I remember playing it. I want to say somewhere, I don't know, maybe when I was in high school and just never got around to finishing it. So it was fun. Um, and any most working design games are awesome too. And uh, the, that one was uh, developed by Game Arts, I want to say, just like Lunar. Yeah, and the dialogue's great. So it was it was fun to play through that game. Um, and another game, very similar um, RPG that has save states anywhere, was for the Master System. I oh, remember yeah. uh, um, was that I played as Miracle Warrior. I just finished that. Um, it's super early RPG. I think it came out at like 87 or something like that. But Yeah, it was, was it uh, about the same time Fantasy Star? It actually out? came, but it came got... out. Yeah, I think it came out earlier. It was before Fantasy Star. it was Star, overshadowed. Yeah. yeah, because Fantasy Star was just graphically and just everything was advanced about that game. But uh, I remember as a kid, my uncle had the game and he played through it and I started it at his house a couple times and I just could never get into it. And then I'm like, you know what? Now I have a little bit of time and it has save states. Any like basically, I mean, you can use save states, but the game cartridge lets you save the game anywhere you want. So like I was just able to, you know, put 20 minutes here, 20 minutes here. Yeah. I I, I used to own it too. 
you had to cheat with the, for, with the internet with for the map. You need the map for the game. It's nuts because <laughs> the, wor- the world's huge. So uh, that was a super fun game. Um, and I had a really good time playing through that as well. So it's just both two RPGs. Pretty solid. I, I don't, I don't want to say like mind-blowing or anything like that. But cool, accessible games that you can like save, play 50 minutes, grind, save, play, save, save, and kind of know where you're at. So that's a good feature. And I've been kind of... Hunting out games that are very similar to that, where you can just save anywhere, um, minus the save state feature, like if you're playing an emulation or something like that. But if you actually have the cartridge that lets you save the game, like anywhere, I'm like, those are kind of games I've been looking for. But um, Sega wise, is- uh, oh, sorry, I was just gonna I say, just- it seemed like with with Sega Genesis games, Sega, like they cheaped out a lot, or developers did, and they made a lot of games where you couldn't save. <laughs> Uh, I found that frustrating. I'm I'm glad that it, at least uh, the RPGs let you save because I felt like there were definitely more games you could save on um, on the Super Nintendo. Maybe I'm wrong, but it felt that way. Where you could save in like the overworld, like if you're in the overworld, like I want to like final like Final Fantasy, especially. I think you could save in the the Super Nintendo. The, yeah. yeah, the Super Nintendo for pitch a tent exactly, and right. uh, save wherever. So yeah, that's pretty much it for Sega that I've been playing recently. I've, I was kind of googling that Miracle Warriors because I've never heard of that. Um, Miracle Whip. Miracle. Whip. <laughs> that <laughs> that yeah, I like that on my on my ham sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. There's a the Master System is one of those systems I haven't played a whole lot of games on, and every time I hear of a game, I'm like, Ooh, what is that? And, I keep thinking like we'll, we'll do a Patreon episode. But I'm like, man, I don't want to encroach on. Ah, on, uh, on the same way. Falls territory there. Because you guys do the master, you and George do the master system masterpieces. I'm like, oh, man, would that be like uh, redundant, or should we just point people to that show? You know, I don't yeah, know. Like, there, there's some good ports though. Like, there's a lot of Genesis games that were ported down, or you know, a, yeah, like Golden uh, Axe, should, Streets of Rage. Yes, uh, those were actually pretty decent ports. Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog um, is its own game. Its own game, yeah. Yeah. In which uh, you guys played the Game Gear version of Shinobi, which is completely different from the Master System version, right? Yeah, uh, the Master System version is actually a port of, of the um, arcade. The arcade, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the arcade, and it's really way better than the NES version. And then, um, yeah, the two Shinobi games on the Game Gear, someone actually took those games and made Master System ports of those games, which is really cool. So you can download the ROMs; they're out there, and you can play them on a Master System. Very cool. Yeah, I have to try those. Which I've, I love the Shinobi games. So I definitely have. To, I've never played the Game Gear one. Once I've heard you guys mention that, I was yeah, like, oh man, I gotta. They're try They're really interesting because it's like they don't give you all the abilities at once, and you kind of uh, unlock different characters to to use those different abilities. Every, and there's situations, yeah. Very Mega Man type feel. I think we said that a oh, few yeah. times on the show. Yep. Oh yeah, and oh. Sega was never. Uh, Never above borrowing ideas from other companies. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? If and borrowing ideas from themselves. I mean, hey, whatever works. That's exactly right. I almost forgot to do this, Aaron. You probably saw that as I posted it on Facebook this morning. <laughs> but uh, I think it's time that we go and we ask Aaron. Aaron Hickman is a dude who knows a lot about Sega games. Ask him questions, it's okay. And he will answer them if he wants. All right. Yeah, at the last minute, I put your uh, 
your little picture up there. And I, I think I did it at lunch today at work. So I was like, oh, crap, we got to ask Aaron tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was funny. It's like, I haven't really posted many pictures lately. Uh, and what's funny is like right now, I look like I'm in the military because I tried to get, I got a haircut and they apparently didn't hear me right. And so they just shaved most of my head. <laughs> so almost like a buzz i'm losing so much hair i'm doing that anyways i'm like there's no sense <laughs> in even styling my hair anywhere <laughs> oh man all right so genesis gems ask aaron the reason you're listening to this i'm not that facetious uh so Don't timmy let me you, folks. asks timmy asks a tough one which sega cd fmv has the best acting or is it easier uh or Easier is most fun. Easier or most fun? Um, you know what? I, I want to say there's one on Retro Obscura we talked about. Um, what's it called? Uh, oh, yeah. It was called Wirehead. Wirehead. And that one actually had yeah. comedic moments. And it had a big name, well, semi-big name actor. Um, who's i mean he's got a page on wikipedia so that that tells you that uh, <laughs> Must be Steve Whitting. yeah so that means he's acted in in actual movies like batman returns and shutter island so hey <laughs> um but that one and then um common masked writer i mean it's already kind of cheesy but they took footage from the maybe that's cheating they took footage from the japanese film and turned it into a video game which I think is kind of what they did for the, the Power Rangers game also. Um, well, one of the Power Rangers games. So, yeah, I would say the new line, not new line, um, the digital picture stuff is pretty cheesy. But if you look at those games, uh, the production quality seems to be a bit higher there. Um, so, moving on here, and I, I think he said easier, oh geez, easier, um, I found Road Avenger, um, it's not a live action FMV game, but it, I think it's the absolute best FMV game you can play on the system, that you will actually have fun, uh, and maybe it's just because it's so fast paced, and there's just so much going on on the screen, that, uh, it's just a blast. Yeah, that's right. that is an awesome game. And I was yeah. gonna say another easy game um, that's full motion is uh, Kids on Sight. Have you ever seen that? Aaron? Yeah, I saw it at the store <laughs> the other day, and it's like a it's a kids club or Sega club game. Yeah, they're like right? on a they're yeah they're on a um, construction site, and you kind of like pick what they do and like dig up dirt. <laughs> but like the the <laughs> acting is like so terrible, and they do the cheesiest jokes, and like you like dig a hole, and they like the construction workers are wearing like cheerleading outfits, and they're like, yay you did it like it is so <laughs> bad i'm like but it's uh, it's so bad you might have to try it, so. I'm, look, it I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at the screenshots and it reminds me of like an old 90s like safety <laughs> video you yeah, have to watch it a plan or something <laughs> and uh it makes me wish that the mc hammer game would have come out <laughs> uh it was it, i think it's called like mc hammer versus master d in Soul Fire or something like that. What? Yeah, there's there's a 30 second clip of the game on YouTube, and that's all that exists of the game. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, so moving on here, uh, moving right along, Ken Kuzmal, who did the art for our show. Thank you, Ken. 
Thank you, buddy. Uh, he said, are there any Sega Genesis games with a Bigfoot in it? Do you believe in Bigfoot? Yes. It's, people, if they ask me if I believe in anything, I'll say yes. I'll say <laughs> yes to everything. Um, I mean, can I not believe in Bigfoot? Hey, I, I haven't been proven that it, he doesn't exist. You know, no one can prove to me that Bigfoot doesn't exist. So, yeah, there's a possibility he exists. In terms of Sega Genesis games with a Bigfoot in it, um, yeah, I mean, there's at least one Sega Genesis game with either a reference to Bigfoot um, or a boss who has really big feet. I mean, play Revenge of Shinobi. Play Ghouls and Ghosts. I mean, those dudes... Last boss of Ghouls and Ghosts, he's got giant feet. So, <laughs> I in terms of like, I'm thinking, honestly, I'm thinking of like an ape creature. So I started thinking about um, Toki going ape spit. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe you guys can help me out here. I'm kind of scratching my head. Like, was there a game starring a bipedal human, like a Bioforce ape? on NES, and I really can't think of one exactly like that. I'm like, I the Shining series we're covering, there's the yeah, Zy Zylo, a... and he's like a werewolf, but he's not a Bigfoot. No, he's not a Bigfoot. Yeah. I guess, like, Bigfoot and Monster Truck Wars doesn't count, right? Bigfoot? <laughs> yeah, because there was Bigfoot. a Bigfoot NES game, right? Literally <laughs> yep. called Bigfoot. That's a good question. Well, you know, there's there's a... Krusty's Fun House, and he has big feet. There you go. So, there you go. <sighs> mm. Andrew Coet said, how about a game where you take the truck out to go squatching? <laughs> That's perfect. That would be great. Oh, man. Okay, so Ashley Gibson asks, it's not a secret that the touchscreen controls for the mobile Sega Forever line leave something to be desired. Have you tried them with a Bluetooth controller? If so, which one? No. No, 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 none. None of them. And I say that because I tried to pull up... Uh, what was... I would mentioned one game went free. Well, I haven't tried it with a Bluetooth controller. I have tried it with the touchscreen controls. I tried playing Beyond Oasis for yeah. like five seconds. And it killed me. That's not a game you can play... With touchscreen controls, you need precise movement. With a Bluetooth controller, it might be okay, but I've heard that people experience lag, which, if you want a true retro gaming experience, the last thing you want in your game is lag. So that is a no-can-do. And, uh, you know, I hope one day um, mobile gaming gets better in that regard when it comes to emulation. But yeah, you really do need some sort of Bluetooth device or something to connect up to it for it to feel at least halfway authentic. So, um, Ian McGarry, I think I'm getting his name right now. Uh, Ian said, what is love? And, um, you know, his actual question. No, you know, that wasn't a question because he said it in exclamation points. He said, what is your favorite game based on a movie and your worst? Oh, 
if we narrow it down to Sega Genesis, I think, I don't know, I really like Terminator 2, the movie, the game, uh, on there or on Sega CD. Batman Returns wasn't too bad. Um, Predator 2, True Lies. Um, I don't know. It might be Ghostbusters might be the best, to be honest. I think the worst, again, narrowing it down, wasn't really a movie. Uh, I was thinking of the the Batman movie game. The uh, No, we covered it already. Last Action Hero. That's, oh, that's, that's true. That's pretty bad, too. Yeah, and the... the, the Terminator 2 action platformer game is really terrible also. Made by the same developer. Yeah, it just really god awful. Um, <laughs> if I'm allowed to go outside of the Sega Genesis, my absolute favorite movie-based game is probably Die Hard Trilogy. I just have a ton of nostalgia for that that game. And, you know, the game hasn't aged all that great, but when it came out, getting three games for the price of one, that were like three full games, it was pretty mind-blowing. Um, and we had it on PlayStation. I later had it on Sega Saturn. And, yeah, uh, you know, one, you got to run through the uh, Nakatomi building, uh, or you got to... Um, uh, it was like a third-person shooter, and then you could play Die Hard 2, where it turns into a railgun game, or three, where it turns into um, almost like a, a driving game, almost like Crazy Taxi or something like that. So, yeah, it's probably my favorite. Second might be GoldenEye. GoldenEye is uh, a low-hanging fruit, I think. Got to <laughs> dig a little deeper than that. Everyone says GoldenEye, but uh, I don't know. Spider- I don't Spider-Man know. Spider-Man, too. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Yeah, there's there's at least one really good Spider-Man game based off a movie, I think. Okay, so moving on here, Christopher Kellogg asks, Wookie pelts are banned in the U.S. <laughs> I can only assume that your hat is faux Wookie. <sighs> I am not at liberty to say. I am so sorry. He's <laughs> he's referring to uh, <laughs> he's actually referring to a. Comfy, warm uh, hat that my brother gave me while I was in, um, while I was at Magfest earlier this year. And yeah, it's no, don't worry, it's not a real Wookie. I would never do such a thing. Okay, so Matt Daly asked, "I was playing Battle Squadron. What is wrong with the guy on the right? Constipation? Yes. I don't know why else you would make that face." It almost like that. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw. Uh, it's almost like the face that one of the characters makes um, in How I Met Your Mother. Have you guys seen that show? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the captain? The captain. I'm drawing a blank. Okay, so he was played by Kyle McLaughlin, and the captain was like this older gentleman, um, and his wife was secretly in love with the main character ted so you know they were she was gonna leave him anyway whatever but the, the whole what deal was his the, wife the uh, second becky and roseanne am i, am I thinking of that right wasn't there uh, i don't remember that part okay <laughs> but the the tenuous connection i'm trying to make here is that the guy <laughs> in this picture has like those dead serial killer eyes <laughs> 
<laughs> while he's smiling. And that's exactly what uh, Kyle McLaughlin's character looks like, the captain. And it's just so so hilarious. If you go look up a picture of the captain and How I Met Your Mother, like uh, one of the characters does a demonstration. They're like, see, if if you cover up his eyes, it's just a normal guy smiling. But then if you look at his eyes, it's a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, moving on here, Andrew Coed asks, what is the most handsome guest you've ever had on the Genesis Gems podcast? <laughs> if he were to be, is this a leading question? If he were to be a guest on an upcoming episode of the SNES podcast with Greg and George, would you listen? Whew. You know, our beef is with two dudes. In you think our beef would be with, with the SNES podcast, but no, our beef is with two dudes in an S. <laughs> The SNES podcast kind of does their own thing. Uh, but, nah, I mean, yeah, it, it's okay because I was a guest host on Genesis Gems once, and I've been on the SNES podcast, so it's it's all good. And so, I mean, you're talking about me, right? Because, Andrew, you're just such a nice guy. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, Andrew, there's no problem. No problems at all until they start beef. So Nick DeMarco asks, Aaron, are you contemplating a rendition of Blue Christmas in the photo before James Bond tries to take you out? Also, ooh, great question. Also, what Sega game would be cool in a Christmas edition a la Christmas Nights Into Dreams? Uh, you know, Nick... I think your favorite game on the Sega Genesis, so I'll have to go with Sonic 2. <laughs> um, and the first question, yes. Uh, so Chris Vanderhoef asks, is that a Chia pet on your head? You know, Chris, is that a Chia pet on your head? <laughs> oh, touche. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just kidding, buddy. Um, boom, boom roasted. You got it. <laughs> roasted. <laughs> Speaking of boom roasted... <laughs> Stephen Michael, Ooh. back to his trollish ways. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Why do the Genesis Gems always play second fiddle? <sighs> to two dudes in a nest. That was him. First off, we don't play second fiddle. Just like the Sega Genesis, we are more powerful, and we have a better library of games to cover. Boom. <laughs> Eat that. <laughs> <laughs> so we are never second place never <laughs> and if the two dudes sent you you can tell them go home keep it family friendly friendly I like it go home <laughs> just go home go to your home donate to our Patreon to hear the uh, <laughs> the unedited version of that <laughs> just kidding yes you can hear that on a uh, switch episode <laughs> what, what is it called <laughs> the switch ups yeah switch up episode yeah that's bad because um, i actually so, i actually uh participate in those. been on quite a few of those man you're kind of jumping ship there yeah that's okay i already admitted to being on the snes podcast um so trevor franklin asked i hear that retro bliss secretly declared war on genesis gems but they admitted they just want to be loved and shown some attention how does that make you feel uh, it makes me feel okay because you know you guys are patrons, so it's it's okay by me. That's right. Um, 
we still keep the war though. You know, it's it's all good. What I what I told him was that um, you know a war is fine as long as we can duke it out in Mortal Kombat 2 using the Sega Activator. <laughs> yeah, I like, like I, I'm all about that. And man, that caused its own big mega thread. So you guys can read that on our group <laughs> page, Genesis Gems. So it's facebook.com slash groups slash Genesis Gems. So Jim Jones Gem asks, what's brown and sticky? Well, okay. uh, I would say it's a stick. I like it. So Gabe Van Gilder, I don't know if you answer this during Thanksgiving, but still, uh, this isn't the word I trip over, still relevant, I was going to say revelant, um, hmm, for Christmas, white turkey meat or dark meat, ooh, yeah, I, I do both, but you know what, I like the dark turkey i'm saying the full thing so people don't get the wrong idea i like the dark turkey meat because it's juicier and to me has more flavor it's a little fattier i don't know maybe i'm wrong but that's how i feel only, only if you're like you know, eating the whole leg like like an old caveman that's what i like <laughs> yeah do it, do i, it, I right. love getting like a turkey leg from a state fair <laughs> that's the best for like med- medieval like times yeah, feeling like a Bigfoot, <laughs> right? You remember that question? Yes. That was about ten questions ago, <laughs> right, Ken? Uh, <laughs> right. It feels like a century ago. No, I'm kidding. It does. <laughs> I swear you're gonna like start a timer every time we do this now, and you're gonna be like, "Well, that's all the time we had for Ask Aaron. He'll like, be on in six months." It's like you think I forgot <laughs> to ask the question. <laughs> All right, so Nathan Cooper, we're almost done here. Nathan Cooper asks, being a big VGM fan, which is a video game music, I enjoy exploring the Genesis game soundtracks. My current favorites are Mega Turrican and Lightning Force. What is Aaron's favorite Genesis game soundtrack and why? Um, I might have answered this one before, so maybe I'll give a different answer. But, man... um, if you ever hear the Gauntlet 4 soundtrack, it's so amazing that it's hard to believe that it's coming out of a Sega Genesis. And, I don't know, it's a, it's a great game, it's a great port, and uh, I hope we cover it at some point, because the music, music by Tashi Sakamoto, who went on to make the Final Fantasy Tactics music, that is someone um, who just had a supreme command um, of FM synthesis. And there were no samples used. So that was another amazing thing to me. Like all the uh, ghostly choir sounds and uh, the percussion, everything was produced by the chip and not by, you know, a, a sample. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think the soundtracks you mentioned are phenomenal. And I love Yuzo Koshiro and Revenge of Shinobi and Streets of Rage. Um, but you know what? I feel like ugh, it's so easy to pick Yuzo Koshiro. <laughs> Let me go a little deeper. And if you like Gauntlet 4, listen to the soundtrack to Devilish. Because it's a killer soundtrack. The game is kind of uh, mediocre. But listen to that. Listen to Midnight Resistance. Um, listen to... Um, I think it was Elemental Master. That's another great one. If you liked uh, Lightning Force, oh, great, great soundtrack. Very metal. 
you like metal in your games. That one rocks. So Blake Worrell asks, what's the worst way to spell Aaron? And I posted a picture at him. Um, if you remember Zelda 2, <laughs> you meet a character named I Am Error. And I just photoshopped it and I put I Am Aaron. <laughs> but it's spelled E-R-R-O-N because I knew a kid in school named Aaron. And that's how, bless his heart, that's how his parents spelled bless his, his name. <laughs> bless his heart. As we say in South Texas. Bless your heart. (laughs) And that about wraps up Ask Aaron. Thank you guys so much for your questions. I always love uh, when you guys interact with us. And this is just one of my favorite ways to interact with you guys because you always have uh, great and hilarious questions. So please keep them coming and keep listening to us. And uh, we'll, we'll keep on doing this. Yeah, and I love how the segment started. It kind of started as a joke. You know, Rob kind of said, hey, we should just have people ask Aaron random questions. <laughs> and literally, I think when we did a, a poll on, you know, what's your favorite segment of the show, like a lot of people said this was this was their favorite segment. So very cool, very cool. All right, guys. Well, with that, I think we can go right into this game. So, uh, hey, Paul, game on, man. Game on. And game on, Aaron. Game on, I guess. <laughs> game <laughs> on. Game on! Yeah, game on! Sega! So, uh, Shining in the Darkness. Uh, this is a uh, this is an interesting one. Um, we had going back in memories. I didn't actually play this game as a kid. My first exposure to the Shining series, believe it or not, was the action RPG on Game Boy Advance, Shining Soul. And I played the junk out of those games, Shining Soul 1 and 2. Uh, Atlas actually released those for the Game Boy Advance. So, uh, very weird. You know, most Sega fans either played Shining Force or Shining in the Darkness first. I was much later to the series. Um, yeah, I, th- I think this. I think Shining Soul was a bit of a relaunch, but um, I was really into. I didn't really get into RPGs till later on uh, in my life, till I was uh, probably a teenager, almost in college, and uh, I was really into action RPGs. So when I had my Game Boy Advance, it was kind of like my favorite college uh, toy in the world. I uh, I just remember going to Google somewhere and saying action RPGs for Game Boy Advance, and Shining Soul came up, and I was like, sure, why not? Let's buy that. And uh, had a blast with it. And um, as far as like dungeon crawlers slash, uh, you know, first person type RPGs go, the only one I really played before this one, uh, I don't know if you guys ever uh, played Iron. this. It, no. <laughs> this, was, this, was a little, this was a little bit more traditional in, in a sense, but not quite. Um, There's a game called Orcs. Oh, I'm sorry, it was Morrowind. Morrowind, you know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a game called Orcs and Elves on the Nintendo yeah. DS. And I love that oh, game. Yeah. Yeah. That one is very streamlined, and, and uh, yeah, I remember playing it first on a phone, but then they ported it to the DS. I think it was id Software. Yeah, yeah, and it, like it just had the touch screens where you you know just kind of hit up, down, left, and right. Yeah, it was so. total throwback to like uh, Eye of the Beholder and that type yeah, of game. Yeah, yeah. So, so playing Shining in the Darkness, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Um, I wrote that down as soon as I popped it in you know, a few weeks ago, and I thought, yeah, I missed that game. But uh, yeah, that was kind of my memories of this. I don't really... I don't even really remember seeing this at the rental store. Um, I'll get into the artwork later, which I, you know, I kind of adore the artwork on the uh, cover. But uh, yeah, I didn't really play this as a kid. How about you guys? Uh, I'll let Paul go first since I keep on hogging it. Uh, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, my first memory of this game, I remember going over to a friend's house. So it was probably, I, I don't think it was like right when it came out, but he got a copy of the game for Christmas or something. So it was probably like, 92 or so like and then i remember just seeing the like the animation like kind of the, the i guess they were kind of like cutscenes, like when um 
everyone's talking i was like wow this looks so great even the opening where the guy's like sitting in the rocking chair i'm like this this game looks so good and um he ended up finishing the game and i was like hey can i borrow the game because my uh my I always got into Sega from my uncle and my cousin. So he was like, at the time, he would let me borrow his Genesis. So I had this game and I basically borrowed the Genesis and I played through it. And it took a while. I remember mapping it out with um, the actual graph paper doing I think it was like either 20 by 20 or 30 by 30, like the actual um, the grids for it. And I remember just doing all the work into the game because... My first experience with the Dungeon Crawler was uh, Fantasy Star for the Master System because I grew up with that system. But I just like, I was just sucked into this game and I just loved everything about it. And the, the thing I didn't realize was it was related to the other Shining games. I had no idea. I just remember liking those games and going, oh, you know, it was probably in like 2000 or so when like the internet was like taking off. And you could look things up, and I was like, "Oh wow, these games are all related." And I didn't I even think, re- uh, realize. Souls, like uh, second cousin twice removed from <laughs> exactly. the main boss in Shining Force or something. Yeah, you, crazy th- like that. You just—I had no idea how big the universe of like the Shining games were, and then like kind of spawned from this game. But yeah, that was kind of my memory of the game. I remember him having it and going, "Hey, can I borrow that game?" And I had to borrow a Genesis to play it. But hey, I got to play it, and then uh, I ended up getting a copy i think of the 10 physical genesis games i own other than a couple i found um i have this complete box so and for me i i have several memories of this game one was uh being pretty young it wasn't the very first rpg i ever played but I think the first one I ever played was Dragon Warrior and then Final Fantasy and then this game. It was like in that order, I want to say. This was like the third RPG I ever played. So this was my first exposure to the first person dungeon crawling experience. Um, so even before Fantasy Star 1, I, I was exposed to this game. So, you know, that was kind of my introduction to the whole scrolling dungeon thing. Um, but yeah, I remember my brother Gordon, one of his favorite RPGs, I remember watching him play it a lot and I would try to play it, but you know, I was like five and, uh, (laughs) it was a little complicated for me. I mean, I could read the dialogue, but yeah, I honestly, I think I beat Lunar when I was six or seven. Oh, wow. And that was a easier game to parse than this one just because it, it's, it's almost like when you try to make the transition from 2D to 3D and everything feels a little more real, I guess. <laughs> That's how I felt with this game was it, it was a little little spooky for me uh, when I was a kid. Like, the you know, the, the dramatic music would happen and then the monsters would kind of appear from the shadows and you'd hear that, you know. <laughs> and so I, yeah, that sound. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a little spooky, but... I think it was about five or six years later, I inherited my brother's uh, Genesis collection. So we had Fantasy Star games and whatnot. I remember, you know what? I want Shining Force again. And so one of my brothers picked it up for me at Funko Land, I want to say. And I, I get it home. I'm so excited to play this game. Pop it in. I get through the first dungeon and I save it and I turn it off. And I turned the game back on later, and this did not save. <laughs> That's the worst. 
And I, I'd had a few Sega Genesis games like that where it's just, it did not save. And it was the same thing for, uh, same thing happened to me on Landstalker. So it was so frustrating, but I was so determined, and this was before you, you know, you could look up on the internet, how do I solder a new battery on? <laughs> uh, no, what I did was I just left the game on for like 20 days just trying to get further and further but the game is is long enough to where if you're a kid trying to beat that game uh and you don't have like a good i grasp of what you're doing yeah the game will demolish you even if you're a 32 year old man trying to (laughs) figure out yeah (laughs) yeah okay so and and i'll have some tips as we go along here as we get into the (laughs) gameplay to make your gameplay experience a little more smooth. But this is really, uh, this game is in the vein of uh, wizardry, um, which it takes a lot of inspiration from wizardry and, and Ultima, and of course the first Fantasy Star game, but kind of that turn-based um, dungeon crawler aspect. There, there were games that came later that did the first-person dungeon crawl, but they went for more of a real-time aspect for the the monsters could move around and you could see them on the screen as they approached you and that would be like eye of the beholder and that sort yeah, of thing yeah. very cool well before we get into the gameplay i'm gonna give you like, the information a little bit uh, this game was published by sega developed by climax entertainment um i think everyone knows climax did the other uh shining force game uh, uh land stalker games they do i have the link here land stalker was the one i remembered mostly because i'm a huge uh, land stalker fan <laughs> But, um, so yeah, some very good games on the resume. This was released in 1991. Uh, the music was composed by Masahiko Yoshimura. And uh, looks like Masahiko also did uh, Shining Force. And then the only other game I saw in the Moby Games uh, directory here was Firehawk, The Second Contact, which apparently was a DOS and PC game. So never heard of that one. Don't know if you guys have or not. Yeah. Uh, was it Dexter? Was there a Thexter game that he worked on? Thexter, yeah, like yeah, exactly. Firehawk. Yeah, Thexter, so Thexter's a very Firehawk. influential uh, game arts game that actually spawned its spiritual successor. You remember Alyssa Dragoon? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so Alyssa Dragoon oh. is definitely a successor to that type okay, of gameplay. Okay. Yeah, so any cool. if we ever cover that game, then I will definitely talk about Dexter because it's such a cool <laughs> game. It was a game where you could kind of morph between being a robot and uh, a humanoid yeah. Um, you can, well, you could, it could, you could be a plane or you could be a biped. Basically, it's really cool, kind of like Herzog's Y. Very cool. And then, if you want to buy Shining in the Darkness today on the Genesis, uh, it's going to get you about fourteen dollars loose and twenty-five dollars complete in box. Not bad for an RPG no. at all, considering no. what you would pay for an SNES RPG, like any of them, even the worst of the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I got lucky because I got, I got this game on Amazon. Uh, I got it about a year ago, and. Um, it was one of those deals where it's like, this may not contain the case and manual. I got it for like $7, and it came in with the case. Uh, no manual, but I got it with the case and the cartridge for like $7. So, very good deal. I got lucky on that one. So, uh, awesome. The, uh, and one thing I wanted okay. to mention, too, real quick, was that uh, I think when this game was released, it's kind of like how Nintendo did it, where they would have like an internal division. Um, this one was, I think it was Sonic Software Planning, right? Yeah, they later and then they split Camelot. off. Yeah, so you, they split off into two companies. One was Camelot, which would keep making Shining Force games. Yep. 
and um, a few other things. And then you also had Climax, who would make like Landstalker and Dark Savior, and go on to make other stuff. Kind of interesting that they split off. Yeah. Very cool. Now, did these guys end up working? Did either one of those companies end up working with Atlas later on with the Shining games for the GBA? Uh, to be honest, no. Uh, which was surprising. The Shining Soul games, not at all. Honestly, uh, Camelot made uh, the Shining Force games, and they made a golf game for the PlayStation. They do all the Mario golf. Yeah, and, Mar- and they do the yeah, Mario right, Sports games. Right. A lot of those. Love those games. That's right. Yeah. And uh, they, gosh, the last. It's so their RPG record's kind of weird, right? I didn't even realize they made Beyond the Beyond on the PlayStation. I had yeah, no that's idea. Right. So that's huh. like very the, similar, the very first RPG. Very similar graphics, too. They have, yeah, the, the gameplay Very similar is, art style, right? Yeah, that's very similar. And I was going to say... Like a, uh, almost like a 16-bit game that could have been on the Sega Genesis. And I think Climax, um, the Landstalker guys, they did a Lundra, the first one, but not the second. I, that was yeah. like Activision. That Lundra was on... PlayStation? That was like an action RPG? Yeah, the, or- yeah. the original Alundra, yeah. Yeah, I like that game. It plays a lot like Landstalker. Very cool game. Yeah, very cool. I, I just looked this up. The uh, Shining Soul game was manufactured by a Grasshopper manufacturer who actually worked on like Killer7 and their more heroes. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was yeah, pretty Suda cool. Yeah, Yeah, yep. So, so uh, and I was going to mention too, the last... Uh, so, Camelot was also introducing like these RPG elements into their sports games, which was really cool. Like, you know, golf RPG yeah. type thing. Uh, but they, they also had a mainline RPG series that they, I wish they would revisit. Well, besides Shining Force, I wish <laughs> they would just make another one of those like actual Shining Force uh, or another Shining the Darkness type game. But the last one they made was the Golden Sun series, Sun. which oh, yeah. um, had three games in it. Two for the Game Boy Advance and one for the DS. Yes. And I played the first one. It was really solid. I put a lot of hours in that first one. Never played the other two, but a lot of hours in that first game. Yeah. Never beat it, but there's a lot of time. <laughs> cool. So just a little synopsis, and I'll, I'll let you guys run with this. Um, this comes right from Moby Games, just kind of explaining what Shining in the Darkness is. Uh, this is a story-driven, console-style RPG, and it's the first in the three-game Shining series for the Genesis, followed by Shining Force and Shining Force 2. The kingdom of Thornwood has been invaded by Dark Souls men, and it is your job to vanquish them. You will need the arms of light to do this. So, there you go. A little quick uh, story for y'all. <laughs> I'm sure you guys dove into the story a lot more than I did, uh, and I'm just going to be up front with you Genesis Gems fans. Um, I played I played a lot of this game. I probably put a good, I'm going to say, seven or eight hours into it, and I didn't get very far. I grinded and grinded. Quote a lot. Yeah, I tried Close. my... That was a lot for me for trying this game. I grinded. I tried to beat the first area without, um, you know, <laughs> using graph paper or using the internet. It didn't work. Had to use. Did you it. use your spell or your items at all? A little bit. And then I, uh, I finally went on the internet and found a map to get, you know, actually out of the first dungeon. And after that, I just kind of quit the game. So we'll get more <laughs> into that later. That's why I'm glad Paul is here and I'm glad that Aaron played the crap out of this game because. And we didn't talk about the cover art too much. Oh. I think. Yeah, so the cover yeah, art... Yeah, it looks just like a Disney cartoon. I was getting ready to say beautiful. the exact same it. thing. Love it. So it's very cool. You got your uh, you got your main character kind of with a big sword looking up at the... Uh, looks I'm, like Little Mac almost. He does look like Little Mac. size difference, right? Yeah. You got your like kind of Dark Soul just looks like towers over him. You got your quirky little side characters and you know your king and your yeah, princess. You've got a title 
you, you've got cover art that Very doesn't cool. look like anything in the game because it doesn't actually happen. Yeah, and it's like Shining in the Darkness, and I love the little title under it, Role-Playing Games. Like they had to tell you what the genre was on the front of the box. Right. <laughs> but, okay, this is leagues better, leagues better than anything that was done on the Sega Master System, at least in the U.S. So Sega was definitely uh, bringing their A-game here. So yeah, you guys take it over. What what's you know where where do you start and you know if you want to talk story or gameplay and you know I, I can oh, kind of yeah. I, mean, I, I can kind of talk about the little bit in the beginning. Uh, yeah, so the story's kind of basic. Um, it's a basic save the princess story, um, <laughs> as far as I recall. You're trying to save the princess and your father, which happens a lot. Your father is like the the lead knight in the kingdom right and the whole game takes place in this this little kingdom and uh you don't really have other towns to explore or anything it's one of those games where you've got one town one giant dungeon and one castle to, to go check out and it's all presented in a first person perspective and yeah story's super basic um i think what was happening was um the princess was on an errand and uh, she, I think she wanted to visit a shrine, okay? She wanted to visit a shrine of her dear departed mother. And so Mordred, which was your father, the main character's father, was going to accompany her. And then Mordred disappears, and she disappears, and uh, no one knows where they went. And then at the beginning of the game, it's explained, Oh, snap! Like, I think right after you, uh, it's pretty soon after you get a little further in the game. The way the game works is you, you get far enough in the game and you get more story development. And so Dark Soul appears and he's like, you know, medieval Darth Vader, basically. <laughs> this all-powerful dude. And yes. just shows up and, and I love how the screen shakes and there's just lightning. And um, I, I love how comical all the characters look. Um, you know, like the different different people in the the kingdom itself when you're, you know, in, in the main room. Um, and so the whole reason why you're getting to venture in the dungeon is because they've already sent their best men who haven't returned. And um, the, I can't remember his name right now, but the leader of the, uh, the guy who trained you from the knights, basically. Uh, he said, well, I'm going to send Aaron... Uh, he, he's the best hope we have now. And so they pretty much lost a lot of hope if it's just you, some like scraggly little 16-year-old kid, 17-year-old <laughs> maybe. And uh, he, he's going to, you know, save the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Did you gleam anything else, Paul, from the beginning there? No, it's kind of the same way. It's funny. Um, like playing the game originally, like I didn't really think much of it. Just And I just... I remember reading an article about the development of the game and how it had like a minimal budget, which makes complete sense because you don't like travel different worlds. There's a labyrinth, a town, and a castle. And like as you do things, you have to like you might find something in the labyrinth and you go back to the castle and talk to someone and it will like trigger an event and stuff like that. Yeah, you'll but, go to the tavern a lot. Yeah, yeah. Ex exactly. And it's funny like with the tavern and I was thinking about it and like a 
a reason I really enjoyed this game is like as a kid, I remember going to like a showbiz pizza pizza and seeing like all the characters and everyone up there. That's kind of how this game like reminds me. Like you go into the tavern and the same characters are all lined up and they are all talking. They have events, and it's like just the the style of the game. The game has personality. The style way more exactly. than many RPGs of that, even more than Fantasy Star One. Yeah. And the, yeah, the style of the game and then like the music is so whimsical and it just fits like the animation of the game. So it's it's really unique in that. that yeah, that I mean, aspect. it's like what it's it's almost like a jaunty banjo tune. Yeah, <laughs> like when, when you're, you're in town, you're in the town and, and you're it's in the crazy. Yep. You, you enter the town and it's almost muffled. Like, you know, the music's coming from somewhere and then you get into the tavern and it's just full blast. That was yeah. really cool. Yeah, I, I noted that, too. Yeah, so I thought that was a neat, neat effect. And, and the way, um, until you get to the dungeon, everything's kind of, when you get to the town, it's like a rotary wheel situation where you, if you think about your perspective, you're kind of looking forward and then you can rotate around the screen and, you know, the different places you can go in the town kind of wrap around you. So, you know, you, you've got... Um, yeah, how, you how, how about go, the guy selling you weapons? That was interesting. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't his, that the animation? Wasn't that the dwarf from Golden Axe? That sure was. Yeah. Gila, or, I can't remember. No, not not Gila. Uh, uh, Gilius Thunderhead. Yes, Gilius. Was that yep. It? yep. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, that has to be him. It's Sega. <laughs> Come on. No way, it. it's anyone else. Um, I, and I loved that. Anytime you try to sell these people something, a lot of them will will do like really goofy animations. Yeah. And the goofiest is later on, um, you'll get late enough into the game where uh, I think once you unlock the upper levels of the, the labyrinth, there will be a, uh, I can't remember exactly when he comes, but there's a trader that comes to town and like he starts selling you stuff that's way better than anything <laughs> the, the weapon shop or the, uh, the armor shop was selling you. And... Uh, he also crafts items for you, so you know if you bring a mithril ore from the dungeon or a dark block, he can give you, um, you know, great items. And even some of the cursed items have just like the most hilarious effects. Um, but like the whole thing about this guy is, um, <laughs> when you try to sell him something, he falls over and flips upside down, and you see his feet kind of dangling in the air. <laughs> and it's just so goofy. I don't. I, there's just so so much whimsy to this game, and even when you're introduced to Pyra and Milo, your your sidekicks, your best friends, who's who are kind of um, you know one's kind of more of a healer based um, and buff based you know healer type, but he also has some active um, action spells, and that's Milo. And they're both, I guess they're both elves. I don't know if everyone else is humans or what, but they seem like they're elves. But Milo is kind of like a priest-type character because he's uh, the apprentice of the, the local priest in town. Uh, and then Pyra is just like a super feisty, um, you know, magic user, um, you know, magician. I guess you would call her a witch, maybe. Uh, and, yeah... Th- she just has some like very spicy dialogue and you'll, you'll run into another character who's like a mercenary and Pyro will actually like bump into him on the screen. She'll be like, watch where you're going. And uh, there's just like little comedic bits to the game that kind of break up the flow of the game. Cause you will spend a lot of time 
exploring the dungeon and uh you know you, you, the whole loop of the game is you go to the dungeon you get a little further you level up um you fight these unique creatures i say unique because uh i'll get into the em enemy design a, a little bit further but um you know I, I i just love the presentation in this game the way the enemies appear because it's all random battles it's like a turn-based jrpg in that regard random battles and then groups of enemies will appear and they could be different enemy types and you know when you when you're just by yourself and you're fighting one or two enemies at a time it's fine but then when you have all three of your characters and you're like fighting six to eight enemies at once it can get a little hairy so you have to stock up on you know healing items and and make sure that uh you know you, you have the right equipment uh and there's tricks and traps as you go through the dungeon. Uh, not so much in the first level, but the first boss you encounter kind of scared me as a kid because it's uh, the Kaiser Crab. Yeah, kind of. And he just kind of like around yeah, that wall. Yeah. Side, yeah. yeah, sidles out of the. And it freaked me out. Like I was not expecting that. And that's a cool little thing that happens in the game too. Is that the game is pretty interactive. Not everything is static. You know what I mean? Where it's like it feels like you're just fighting a picture. Which, okay, yeah, the, the enemies kind of do a screen flip effect a lot of the time when you're attacking them. But sometimes you'll have things like that, or you'll have one creature later on it looks kind of like a colossus and he'll roll into a ball. Um, uh, it, he'll roll at you, which is crazy. And then um, much later, you'll get this um, cool thing that happens is you get a rope that lets you climb up and down different dungeons late in the game. And sometimes you'll find like a pit in the ceiling and you'll see a guy drop down from the pit to attack you like yeah. a, a soul feed. <laughs> or you're going over a water puddle and then like it'll, yeah, the spirit will come out. it'll be like a sea stallion. Or and like, not necessarily all the time. Just No, just, just some of the time. It's, it's randomly, it'll randomly happen. Uh, so I, I really like the random event enemies or there's one guy where <laughs> it's kind of like in Metroid where you would encounter one of those statues that would just suddenly wake up. Uh, that happens too. Uh, you'll you'll fight a sentinel uh, who will do the same thing. It's just kind of it, he'll block your way, and it's just like a statue. Because what happens is you see a, a sentinel like in the first dungeon of the game, and he's just sitting there. You know, nothing you can do with him. And then once you get to one of the because there's four caves you have to explore to to uh, get the you have to pass the trial. So that's another little story piece I'll get into. But you basically have to pass these caves that are trials. And uh, he, that guy likes to block your way later on. So to explain the whole uh, cave system, um, once you beat the first labyrinth, um, you're told through story at the kingdom. You talk to a guy named Melville. Um, and you talk to another one of the king's advisors and they tell you, yeah, you kind of got to <laughs> the whole reason that the labyrinth was designed. It's not there just to be there. It was designed to test the bravest knights. And then it got corrupted and, of course, taken over by, you know, King Douchebag. Um, if I can say that. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I don't think that's bad. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> Dark Soul, King Douchebag. Um, and, yeah, so he's just got to you know, taking over and but the whole original purpose of the labyrinth was to test knights, test their bravery. So they designed these different caves that you would explore. Uh, and then once you pass them, 
um, you know, you would uh, receive these tokens um, and or, you know, you would be able to advance to the next area, basically. And and you do pick up and in, in here, honestly, I love this game to death. One thing that's frustrating is uh, limited inventory space, oh, yeah. especially when the game starts making you carry around um story items so does, the, what I does it about, get, like does it get any better because i know what was like eight yes, spaces yes it does okay so okay. here's here's the thing what because you didn't unlock the other two characters yet right i did I, okay. they, they, they can carry so yeah. yeah so you got the dwarf key um so here's the great thing you can actually sell story items so you oh, can sell them okay. and they're not gone forever so at a certain point once you know that you don't need the dwarf key anymore you can sell that that's what's or fun about Sky, Sky, Skyrim. Star. I can go. I can go display them in my house when I play Skyrim. <laughs> story items. Um, yeah, this is like Skyrim um, for the more cultured crowd. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> as I sip my tea, have my pinky out. I've already. Um, I've already put thirty hours in the Skyrim on Switch. It's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Very sad. You are hilarious. <laughs> But I think the fun of this game, yeah, you can sell off the... I was going to say Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy III uh, had that thing where the story items were just kind of there in the story section and they weren't part of your inventory, which I liked. kind of wish this game did that. But it's, it's okay. You get used to that. And what I ended up doing was I just relied a lot on my character's magic, which I do this in a lot of games, where I don't want to use like healing herbs and stuff so much because they kind of crowd up your inventory. So I will rely a lot more on healing spells. And part of where this game gets intense is if uh, you're out of magic and you're, so your main character, he kind of blows. I'll, I'll be honest. Your main character, yeah. is, <laughs> he doesn't have any magic. He can attack, and that's kind of it. His, his attack is the strongest. And I think his... Uh, I think his... I don't remember if his defense is the strongest, but he's got like two stats that are the best. I think maybe he has the most HP and maybe his attack's the best, but otherwise he's kind of not as good as the other two, surprisingly. <laughs> and he he whiffs it a lot. I mean, he, he dies. He'll die. So if you don't get him the right equipment, he will die a lot. Or, you know, until you get him like the super cool equipment you find. Um, but yeah, the... Honestly, there's not. It doesn't get too much more complicated. I do want to say about the the monster design. It's very unique sometimes, um, and varied. And sometimes the monsters look kind of really scary and frightening. And sometimes they're like an ape with a bone, shaking a bone at you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or sometimes it's a clod hopper who looks like Santa Claus or the troll face. <laughs> That's right. Um, who has no? It just has limbs. And a face with a hat on it, and and just like early uh, JRPGs, you will have a lot of color swapping and some unique color palettes for the harder enemies. So you'll usually fight like three or four classes of enemy as you go on. But I will say this: for that early of a game, there is still a ton of variety. Every dungeon area, every new place you go to. Um, you will fight new enemies and there will be like little mini bosses you will fight 
And eventually, uh, I'm not going to ruin it, but yeah, you, you do find out more about what happens to your dad and what happens to the princess. So you got to keep playing. Uh, you're talking about Nick here. <laughs> but easy, I guess easy. The, the, for me, uh, what I love is, well, one, finding new gear. But honestly, um, it's not until later in the game that you really find good good solid gear but yeah my strategy i recommend for people is for milo and pyra as soon as you can get them um for pyra get her um you want to get them the the weapons that attack more than one enemy at once yeah. And so for Pyra, that's a, a flail, and eventually you'll want to pick up a super flail, which you get from an enemy. Um, and there's an easy way to get that super flail, and it's by actually casting Muddle 2. And that's another cool thing. You've got some really awesome spells with neat effects. Um, and so one of them is Muddle 2, which can basically confuse everybody. Um, and once they're confused long enough, they'll actually give up their items a lot of times. And the super flail hits three times, which is great. And then, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. The super flails, I mixed it up. The super <laughs> flail is for Milo. And then for Pyra, you want to get her the whip as early as possible. I get her the whip. And then um, for me, like I tried to avoid most of the cursed items. But I don't know, for some reason, for Pyra, you got to get that Hex Whip. because whip, Yeah, that's the best one. The Hex get... Whip uh, is great because what will happen is Pyra's the fastest character in the game. She'll get a, a hit off automatically, and she won't miss the first time. She'll attack everybody on screen, basically, uh, with that Whip. And it's only uh, the problem with the, the Hex Whip is... Sometimes she'll be she'll become tangled up in the whip. The game gives you this flavor text at the bottom that tells you what happens, and you'll become tangled up in the whip for a few turns, and then um, you know she becomes untangled. But by the time that happens, you've already landed like five hits on the enemies, and they're already almost dead. So it really doesn't matter so much. I don't know. Did you have any cool strategies? Oh. No, I, I agree 100%. Like, that's one of the best weapons of the entire game. Because, like, once you start off early, because I had um, started the game again, and I was trying to get a feel of, like, how the beginning went. Because I, I think I beat the game um, the beginning of, or about this time last year, because I played through it again. And um, it's like, sometimes you'll run into a group of monsters, and they'll be, like, maybe, let's say, like, two slimes and, like, three monkeys or something like that. Yeah. But you can't control which one you hit. You just—it's kind of random. So yeah, like, yeah, you can you can select a group of enemies, but it, you're and, not necessarily hitting the one you want to hit. You might have right. hit that one once, you're not and you'll hit another on one. That enemy. Yeah, yeah. So the whip for her is like it's just a great weapon because it, it hits everyone. You don't yeah. have to worry about it, and it's worth, yeah, it worth use MP, getting tangled yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, um, like I, I tried to use as little. Um, I saved the, like the powerful MP attacks yeah. for situations where I was like, I'm gonna die on this battle if I do <laughs> not use a powerful like, you know, blast three or uh, fire four or something like that. Uh, and, and that's another thing I love, man. You know what? Do not give me RPGs with unpronounceable spell names <laughs> and stuff. I'm gonna forget. I'm. You don't know what they you, are. 
Yeah, even Fantasy Star did it. It wasn't so bad because yes. you kind of got used to the naming convention, but like Model Mate and Diamond. I mean, it just sounds like drugs, drug names. <laughs> but like the worst was Wizardry did it too, and it was just so bad where it was just like in their made up language. You're like, I don't know what this spell does. I have no idea. <laughs> Um, but yeah, in this game, everything is very clear and concise. This is a blizzard. This is a fire. It's like, oh, it's so, so choice. So choice. So I really like that aspect. Um, I, I like that in this game, they introduced the, uh, the icon system. Kind of like oh, animated gifts. I love it. I thought, yeah. I thought those were great and kind of humorous. They are. Um, the thing I don't, one thing I don't like about that system is that sometimes you're trying to go heal someone or you're trying to go equip something, and a lot of early games did this, a lot of early RPGs. All right, that's great, I, I equipped this person, um, and I, okay, I, I equipped them with everything. Now it's got me out of the entire menu and I have to go all the way back in. Or I have to go back all the way back in to heal someone. It just kind of got frustrating. And, and I guess another thing for someone, especially like Nick, um, would would be the lack of an auto map feature oh yeah auto map even though the game does auto mapping for you it's presented in such an obtuse way which is you have to use the view spell from pyra or you have to use a wisdom seed the game remembers the game remembers uh the places you've been which is cool so it'll map stuff for you but it only gives you a chunk of the map. If it actually gave you the whole map at once, <laughs> it'd be so much more helpful. Um, but yeah, when I was a kid, the only game I ever remember mapping was Wizardry on NES because, unlike this game, Wizardry on the NES and, and, and the Apple II original, it's very bare-bones looking. And so everything looks the same. Thankfully, at least in this game, the dungeon design does vary up a bit, especially as you get later on in the game. Um, so the game gives you like torches when you found a new pathway deeper into the dungeon. You'll have fountains you'll encounter, which, uh, which is cool. Later on, you'll find um, an interesting thing. Remember um, in Flashback, Nick, how there was an item you can get late in the game that let you kind of teleport to different areas? I never made it that far, but I remember you all talking about it. Yeah, so there was like a piece of the item you'd set down, right? And then you could go off and go somewhere else, and then you use the other piece of the item, and you'd teleport back to that. Just keep reminding me of how I haven't finished these games, man. Yeah, you know, just got to keep you honest. <laughs> I will say, uh, you, you mentioned the icon system and the menus. This, you playing a any RPG for the first time, a lot of times it's just real hard to, to get into it and, and know where you're going in the menus. Like penis and, interfaces, yeah. Yeah, this was just simple. Like, I, I, I was... It makes a, it fun. Yeah, and I, I was in the dungeon in no time. a starter RPG, I would say, for someone yeah. just getting introduced to RPGs, except for, like, how hard the game gets. <laughs> it's well, not yeah. presented in a very... Um, I mean, there are some mature themes the later you get in the game or the fact that you're always visiting a bar, basically. <laughs> with an in attached to it but i mean this is you know it's old school fantasy is what i would say but with a disney disney flair to it without all the singing without all the singing yeah <laughs> that's what i want i want an rpg that breaks in the song every <laughs> 10 minutes yeah and you know and when you talk strategy I, I know when i first started i went right to the dungeon I'm, I'm used to a lot of rpgs not giving you any money in the beginning so i know you do have a little bit of cash you can actually go buy you some get, stuff like, you got- 
old and yeah yeah things. which is pretty cool and then i kept just going in until i died you know a lot of the strategies i read on online i was like you want to yeah, go here you and lose level half up old but you yeah, keep your exactly. experience They're like yeah. you know go here beat these guys get this level back out go in back out go in back out it was a lot of the strategies i i, I had read similar to like uh when i played uh, dark souls i would do suicide runs <laughs> where it's like you go as deep into the dungeon as you possibly can without dying and then it seems like you level up faster because you're fighting a harder class of enemy or something but i will say it is hard going it's harder to do that when you're just the main character yeah because you have things like uh because the game works similar to to D with dice rolls and so everything's based off a I think it's based off a dice roll or some sort of randomly generated number, like like a lot of those types of RPGs. So sometimes you will roll a critical hit, and that's great. You'll knock down a tough enemy when you're a weakling, but on the same token, you'll encounter like a killer bee or something, and he'll do a critical hit on you, and suddenly you're like, oh, well, I have enough hit points, right? I'm going to make it. And then you're wiped out, and these Valkyries have to come out and like, take your body back to the priest and <laughs> to resurrect you. Yeah. And you're like, why are my pockets empty? Oh, that's right. Cause the Valkyries took all my gold. <laughs> it happens. Oh, so you, talk, we, um, you talked a lot about, talked about, about the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the, the random battles. Did, did it feel like there was more random battles in a game like this than a lot of the other kind of dungeon crawling RPGs? Yes. I just felt like every five seconds, like, stop! Especially when yes, I was trying to progress. Of, uh, there's a lot of random battles. I will say that later in the game, you do get a spell that can stop random battles from the enemies that are, I think, your level or below. Um, so it doesn't become quite is difficult in that regard um so you do get some relief later on and the great thing too i've noticed nick is that if you're a higher level than the enemy you can actually run from every battle yeah i, I started and that as well. helps a lot especially because i understand that because you're going to get deeper into the dungeon and the, the first labyrinth area um every map is the same map size okay so it's the same exact grid um, however many tiles just designed in a completely different way each time but um you'll wander around and sometimes you're like man why am i getting these trash mobs like i thought i killed these guys like 20 levels ago and they'll still appear and still try to whack at you and kill you <laughs> and just run from them uh or you know just super late in the game <laughs> I'll admit this. I got my characters all up to level 99 um, because I play this in emulation and I just like use the fast forward button a lot <laughs> to, to grind like a madman because I wanted to see what happened when you got up that high and it turns out this is an Easter egg because there's no reason that you should even need to do this. You can beat the game by the time you hit level 45. Yeah, I was at level like 42, I think, and beat it. Yeah. Uh, if you get to level 60 you can go back to the alchemist in town and what happens normally is um, as you reach certain levels the characters that run the, uh, the shops in the game they'll say like oh hey I have a special deal for you do you want to buy this and it's always like super outrageously priced until yeah. you, you get more gold uh, and then you're like oh 
you start fighting enemies that, that it doesn't even matter. Like you'll beat <laughs> this game having way more gold than you'll ever know what to do with. Um, and she'll sell you something like that's like fifty thousand gold, or sixty thousand gold. And the items are these one-hit kill items, and each one is better than the last. And one is like an earthquake item. One is like Pandora's box, and you open it, and um, all of the enemies just go whoosh, and they they fly everywhere. Um, there's like a cursed item you can get, which is hilarious because it's like a randomizer that that can either like kill all the enemies, or it can um, you know confuse everybody on screen. Uh, or do crazy stuff like that. Um, and then my favorite is when you get uh, you get to level 80 and you can buy an ogre flute and you get to the dungeon and yeah, I use the ogre flute and what happens is a giant foot pops out of the ceiling and crushes all the enemies. Yeah. It's, it's the Sasquatch, man. There you go. There you go. You, yeah. fa you found him. You found him. That's right. <laughs> I, I, of course, I didn't get that, but I uh, did watch some videos of that. It's pretty sweet. Did you did you get far enough, uh, Paul, to get to one of the caves where you started seeing the merry-go-round? That's what I call them. The yeah, spinner. that's... Um, <laughs> where it kind of turns you yeah. 270 degrees when you walk on it. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the kind of the unique thing. And if you're like a beginner playing this game, like I think the random battles, because you're going into the same labyrinth. And yeah. you... Like, before you get to those fountains where you can learn to like later in the game where you can kind of warp or get to higher yeah, levels you can warp it, around that helps it, so much super frustrating but I, I do like the like variety of each level of the game and then yeah i think that's um towards like the third or fourth level of the the labyrinth when you start hitting them and you go okay it it might take you around three or it might take you around two and you have to remember and you got to get back on it to to, to get back into the right place but yeah, it's 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 very different from from a lot of games I've ever played. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not. Um, sometimes they'll be really tricky with those spinners, and they'll put you somewhere where it's like a dead end, except there's a trap floor. Yeah, and you have, you have to, to drop it to the trap floor, and it brings you to like the the whatever area is beneath you. And you have to remember stuff like that, and once you get further in the game, which is um, if you end up mapping or if you look for maps, um, to you, there's tons of um, websites that have, have like maps, maps and stuff like that. Maps. Yeah, exactly. Stuff, yeah. But like you were talking about that rope, if you can remember, like, oh, I fell through this area, and I can use the rope to get back up. It yeah, can like lead you. Metroidvania type game. It can lead find you to some really cool stuff. Yeah, that you might not yeah. think about like going back. It leads to, you to. Uh, I want to say one of the best flails, you'll find the great flail that way. And you'll find, I think, one of the best pieces of equipment for the main character because you, you get all of his light items yep. finding him sort of that way. And then I think, too, in those early, um, like, the, the trials of, like, strength and courage, um, there's, like, jail cells that you can't access. Yeah, but you, you can't get a access. Key later. Like, how do I, how get, do I get in there? And you find a like, prison key, back. yeah. yeah. So you can go back and get the stuff from there too. So, um, again, like with the frustration of kind of being in the same place and getting those random battles, that's how I like even playing it's, it to, the, to this day. I'm like, I was playing the game and going like, man, I just want to get to this place, but I'm like, it's always getting to that next breakthrough. Exactly. Is how I felt about this game. It's just like, 
yeah, you know, if you, if you stick with it, um, and you, you're gonna get a breakthrough. Like you fight the first boss, you're like, oh, that was cool, and then you find your first really good item, or you get enough gold to fight, you know, to buy your first really good piece of armor or first good actual weapon that doesn't stink. Um, you're like, oh, I bought an axe, you know, <laughs> or I bought a, I, or I found a flame sword. Um, and that's the cool thing. Just like Shining Force, you can use a lot of use those weapons yeah. as an item, uh, which was so cool to me. Um, and there was one, there was one cursed weapon you could equip it, and uh, the main character. No, it was uh, Milo would start attacking himself or attacking the main characters <laughs> <laughs> every time he would use it as an attack. That was pretty great. So, is there anything that we haven't? really cover it. I didn't want to spoil the ending too much. Obviously, you're going to have to fight Dark Soul eventually. And uh, there are a few twists and turns in the game, like, you know, double crossing and like, oh, I didn't realize that they were this person. You know, I thought they were a, thought they were a good guy. What happened? And uh, there's some really neat little plot points. And you even get to meet Milo and Pyra's parents and uh, they're like even more outrageous caricatures of <laughs> those characters. So it's it's kind of kind of funny and pretty interesting. And you kind of have a one okay, so one thing I didn't notice or that I didn't mention was that there's two characters that you will find in the dungeon, NPCs, as you progress in the game. And one is Gila, who's like a lizard type creature, um, but he's a mercenary. And what happens is you can get him and he'll do like a he'll attack and he'll say, Wachunga! And uh, he'll do a pow more powerful attack than you can do at that point in the game. So you can kind of walk around with him and level up your characters a bit. Um, and what's funny is if you don't return him to the tavern, then you can keep him for a while and use him for a little bit later in the game and I actually saw someone do a playthrough where like they had him in the game all the way up to like the end boss like how did they do that you yeah know? that's crazy but that's uh, a good that's a good trick too to level up I, I used that for a little bit as well yeah and, there, and there's two other characters um, that end up in the dungeon I won't really spoil that too much but one of them like he is such a weakling he's, he's pretty much like Edward the Bard in Final Fantasy 4, where he's just completely useless and just a waste of space. Those darn musicians. <sighs> Worse, I hate musicians. <laughs> Anyone who makes music is just on, you know, terrible people. So silly. <laughs> terrible people. <laughs> uh, speaking of the music, I would say, um, man, I like when the dungeon music actually changes. Because you spend so many hours like in the main labyrinth and then doing the different the four caves, like it felt like we're about fifteen to twenty hours, and then to finally get a different piece of music that sounds more triumphant once you get to the labyrinth proper is really cool. Like I like that music, and I one thing I absolutely loved, and I even remember playing this game on the Nomad for some reason and getting this far. I remember playing it in the back of my parents' car. And getting to the, the labyrinth proper, and you get to this dungeon area where there's kind of these causeways. So you'll go outside of the dungeon, and they're kind of like shortcuts across the dungeon, and you'll go on this causeway that kind of curves around a tower. 
and you get this little cutscene that shows you walking um, around the outside of the tower. So I, I always thought that was pretty cool because the music kind of changes and kind of sounds like a fluttery flute solo thing. I thought that was cool. I don't know if you remember that, Paul. No, yeah, I, I told as you mentioned it, I'm like, that's right. Once you like, you're going through the dungeon, you go like, I don't remember. I think it was like stairs or something, and it would open up, and that's towards the, the end yeah, of the you, game. You, uh, yeah, you go go up some stairs, and then you'll you'll end up outside of the labyrinth. Which this game did a few unique things like that that kind of separated it from other first-person dungeon crawlers mm-hmm. of that time. Uh, so I, think, I thought that was pretty neat. I think, um, like, I I really enjoy the music for this game, but I think it's just very fitting for the style of the game. Yeah, it's fitting. It's, I would say it fits it perfectly. A, it fits it perfectly. Uh, I I would say, and the music done for Shining Force was great. Um, I would say it's not my favorite music on the system, but it's still really solid. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think like Fancy Star Two had some of the best, and Fancy Star, uh, even yeah, three and four had really good music too. So, but yeah, I think overall, I mean, the way I understood it was when the developers were making this game for Sega. Sega gave them like zero budget <laughs> and they still managed to pull out this game and I also um, found out that um, this was a lot of European gamers first exposure to RPGs because um, they were just getting into the Mega Drive and they didn't have uh, a Final Fantasy game uh, I think until like Final Fantasy 7 okay so <laughs> Shining for Shining in the Darkness was like their first RPG. A lot of people. That was pretty interesting, um, but yeah, I, I don't have too much more to say other than man. Once you get into the, the the later areas of the game, some of these creatures will be really tough, and they'll be um, you know like high powered magic users and can wipe your party out if you're not careful and put them to sleep. <laughs> or confuse them, or uh, one of my favorite things is you can do different buffs. Like uh, uh, Milo has a buff uh, that can kind of put a shield around everyone and lower the defense of the enemies at the same time. And then Pyra has this like cool little animation where it shows like a guy power up, and he's got like a muscle that bulges out. And so you can use that to uh, boost everyone's strength. And that comes in handy so much, especially when you're fighting like a tougher enemy or you get to a new area and you're like, oh, crap. Like you're at the end of an area, you can tell because you encountered a, like a mini boss or something. So, yeah, that I mean, that's that's pretty much it for me. Uh, did you have anything else, Dad, Paul or shoot even Nick? I feel like that's <laughs> on the podcast. I was going to say, I like what you were saying. Um, like, once you get past that, like, point, like, oh, I beat Kaiser Crab, and, like, you you, you kind of get to that next step, like, all that grinding and stuff. You, it's like, just you, frustrating you, enough, but then you get, is. like, a moment you're, like, you're like, oh, thank, you a, thank a new goodness. Story. Yeah, yes, a new story exactly. piece before it gets too redundant. A new story piece, a new type of dungeon to explore, yeah. new types of enemies, and new types of uh, items and weapons to find. I agree. I think this game like kind of keeps you right on that tightrope, right on that, good enough to like keep you going. Like f- for most people, and yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, will, I kinda, like I kinda, stick with it and run with it. 
Yeah, I kind of wish that the caves would have varied more in like, even if they would have just done some color palette swapping, because there's a lot of brown. Yeah. A lot of brown, but they at least varied up by having the caves themed after different things. So in, in one cave, you know, they're like the Cave of Courage, Cave of Truth. So like you'll have to use the Orb of Truth you find to like, because um, you'll run into like these fake walls and stuff like they that. Have you have to, to fight, use it on. Yeah. yeah, to fight a demon wall. Uh, or you have to fight a lot of magic using enemies, that sort of thing. So, or, you know, enemies to just kind of hit hard. A lot of, lot of unique aspects to the game. But with that, uh, do you have anything <laughs> else, Paul? No, I think that's kind of it. I mean, I, you, you had a lot of the things I was going to say for sure. Um, it... I think again, like it, it, it's tough. Like looking at it, like as a kid growing up playing this game, like I really, I just, I love. I never going beat into it. it as a kid. I yeah, know my brother it, did, but it, I never beat it as a kid. It, was just, it took like, forever, and I probably didn't find everything either. But it, it was more so probably just grinding, grinding, and grinding. Um, and that's again this, and and you had, I think you had mentioned like it was like one of the, um, you were mentioning one of the. Our first RPGs you had beat, and I was like, I think this was either the second or the third one I beat as a kid. Yeah, yeah Lunar was my first. Yeah, and I grew and up playing Phoenix. I grew up playing Fini the original Phoenix Star, so I was already into the dungeon aspects where I had to like learn to, you know, grid uh, a dungeon. Yeah, which the, which right, those right here, copy, yeah. which those dungeons weren't as terrible, you know, like, as this one. Like this game had like just they were big, you know. They were big dungeons. No, though Fantasy Star, I mean. The problem with the Fantasy Star 1 dungeons is that because they were first person, like the scrolling was cool, but there was just so much repetition with yeah. it without variety that, you know, there was enemy variety, which is great. And that make, makes it very similar to this game. But I think that's something that they improved was, you know what, we got to put some objects in the background sometimes so people know where they're going. You need <laughs> monuments. It's kind of like when I'm driving around sometimes. I'm like, I don't know what street I'm on, but I know that monument. And I don't know about... Uh-oh. Lose Paul, oh, you still was... there? No, I'm still here, yeah. And I was going to say, I, I don't know about you, but I'm like, um, these kind of games, like, when you're playing it, it's like, okay, I noticed there's a lantern on, like, the walls and stuff. So, like, once you keep going through the same areas over and over, you just kind of memorize them. And, like, you can grit them out but i'm just like i just memorized where to go all the time like i knew how to yeah. get from like um once you progress all the way through to like getting to the warp zone and making it all the way through like i knew how to do it just from grinding so much and being in this, the same areas over and over again so and there's kind of an appeal to that to my mind because that's kind of a, a problem with a lot of modern games is that they stick a mini map on the screen or something like that and you're constantly just looking at that mini map looking instead of it, looking yeah. at the game itself. Um, and, and this game kind of makes you more spatially aware, I feel like, where it's like, yeah, you know what? I've got to kind of get my bearings and figure out where I'm supposed to go. And it is easy to get lost until you get used to it. And the way, you know, different um, pathways kind of emerge. Or like, you know, hey, I just came from that area. Don't you hate that? You're like, you've been yeah. adventuring around like, oh, geez, I'm at the beginning <laughs> of the map again. <laughs> that happened to me so many times. Playing oh, that or, or well, especially where it's like you like you get to like, oh, look, it's a new passage. And you realize you're exiting the front door of the labyrinth. 
I was bad about pausing exactly. the game and then walking away <laughs> and then coming back. And, Crap, where am I at? Like happened all yeah. the time. That's probably why I played. Or you save it and you're like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. It happens to me all the time in RPGs. I saved it and I'm like, oh, where am I? What am I doing? No idea. Yeah, that's, that's why I like those games like Metal Gear Solid and later Final Fantasies that will actually recap yeah, where you yeah. are. Yep. Candy for old timers like me. The, the Resident Evil Revelations games does that. <laughs> it's like previously on Resident Evil Revelations. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us about critical reception. Or maybe we can go into some retrofitted achievements. Oh, maybe we can. <laughs> the Channel Christians retrofitted achievements. Jumping the gun, Aaron. I have actually have two for the little bit of the game I played. All right. Yeah. Um, the first one I, I have is, I guess it could, could uh, apply to any RPG, but this is called the best bass player, and that's successfully fleeing from a battle. You know, like flee from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, nice. <laughs> I've got one. It's uh, Ride the Lightning. And that's uh, Witness Dark Soul pop out and uses his lightning, uh, lightning attack. Paul, did you have any? No, I feel so bad because uh, I completely you, forgot about this. You come up with one off, yeah, off no, the top I'm of your head. I do that one. all the time. Aaron's like, I, I, got, I got seven I now. come up with them like on the spot. I, was say, I seriously like, do. Way to stick with it, and that would be like to level up your guy to the to the second level because I can see a lot of people just playing this game and going, yeah, I'm not going to play it anymore, especially when you like die. You die, you don't realize you need to leave and heal your person, or you don't have a feather to get it. Out. Yeah, so yeah the angel it. feather which yeah. became a staple later on. It's like, yeah, angel feather and egress. Uh, yeah, that that is so helpful. Sometimes you're just gonna need to back out of that dungeon somehow. <laughs> it's a funny story. It has nothing to do with achievements, but one of the very first RPGs I really got into was Diablo. I've mentioned that before, and I was playing it online one time, and everyone uh, would say, "Need TP, need TP," and I'm sitting there thinking. Why do I need toilet paper? Where, where's the toilet paper? Of course, it's a town portal. Did you see that picture I posted yes, in Genesis Gems? Yes, that's what kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, Fancy Star 2. I'm like, need TP? What, TP. Are you talking about? what are you talking about, TP? Town, oh, town yeah. portal. <laughs> oh, town portal. And then yeah. I think in, in 2, it's uh, technique points. Something like that. Yeah, like your magic. But yeah. of course, it's not magic because magic doesn't exist. That's right. Technique oh, points. Yeah. So my next achievement, this is just called Where Am I? And that's getting stuck in the first level for 10 hours like I did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. That's great. I love it. Uh, My next one is uh, Bigfoot, which is uh, unleashing the giant uh, ogre foot (laughs) using the ogre flute. And, you know, I posted it in Genesis Gems and... There's something so satisfying about watching it happen, because it just comes out of nowhere. There's some really cool like screen shaking effects in this game, and some wild stuff that happens. That whoever programmed the game put in some fancy effects for you know such an early Genesis <laughs> game. I love it. Like I, I love the the screen shaking effect and um, you know like the 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 mysterious box and. Um, the item like literally just makes all the enemies just pop off the screen. <laughs> they fly in different directions, <laughs> and then the the battle ends. It's great. So uh, that was my other achievement. Any other achievements? I got one. I just came up with okay. which you which you mentioned, and that would be a whip it good, and that'd be using the hex 
using the hex whip and getting tangled in it. I think that's Ooh. pretty good. I have another one. It's called <laughs> You Will Flail. <laughs> and that's uh, getting uh, the best flail in the game, the super flail. Nice. <laughs> How about uh, Where's My Golden Axe? And that's going to the shop and realizing he's not selling his golden axe. <laughs> <laughs> When he falls were over. You kind of, were you kind of <laughs> thinking Death Adder is going to like make a cameo? Yes. yes. Yep. That would have been great. Oh, jeez. Alright, well, let's ask this big question. Is this game a gym? Is this game a Genesis gym? Is it good? Or is it garbage? So, critical reception. Moby Rank has this game as an 82 out of 100 for the critic score. Uh, I couldn't really find like a big time publication review there was one from uh one up games but it was in a different language i didn't want to do that joke again <laughs> so i did find a uh, little write-up from a uh, website called netjack and it uh gave it a 93 out of 100 and it says uh if you like shining force or a fan or you are a fan of recent dungeon crawlers such as wizardry eternal ring or kingsfield try shining in the darkness it will definitely appeal to you as it has to me so much that i prefer it to the first shining force so, there you go uh listener feedback we had uh, quite a bit of feedback on this one and if you would like to leave feedback on any of the games, we always ask you, is this a gem? Is it good or is it garbage? Uh, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Genesis Gems. And the first comment comes from, as my page loads, Brian Bowen. says, love the idea of this game, but sadly I never gave it a chance. I love the cover, though. Uh, Stephen Michael says, I've never played it, but the box art looks sick. Uh, Gordon Hickman says, absolute gem. <laughs> Uh, Michael Kelso says, The title reminds me of that time I was on Genesis Gems. I was a beacon of shining in a dark podcast. I'm a gem. <laughs> and then I love, anytime he gives us a hard time, I like putting the picture of Michael Kelso from the 70s show that says Burn. Just to remind him that that's his name. So. <laughs> Any argument will be lost. That's right. By him. <laughs> so uh, Christopher Kellogg says, I've never played it, but I love Shining Force. I've been looking for a good RPG on the Sega that isn't Fantasy Star 4. I'll be waiting to hear your review. Uh, Timmy Max says, Haven't tried it, but from what I've heard, it's a solid game. Update. Uh, upon checking it out, it's a gem. Looking forward to hearing from you guys and getting deeper into the game. Very cool. Uh, Andrew Coed says, I've not played it either. Cannot wait to hear the opinions you gentlemen put forth. One thing I know for sure, regardless of how good the game is, your show is a gem. Well, thank you, Andrew. Well, thank you. And you're very <laughs> handsome. He is very handsome, yes. <laughs> Brian Jellison says, I dig that game, a gem for sure. Uh, Matt Daly says, Jim, I actually played it so long that I maxed out the experience levels of my characters. They do some funny things when they are powered up that far. Uh, Jared, oh, yeah. Uh, Jared Adams says, I've never played it, but I want to. I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say. Ashley Gibson says, it's a gem. I figured out that out fairly quickly after starting it. I got it about three months ago in one of those Loot Crate-style subscriptions for retro games, and I have been happy ever since. Yeah, let me jump in here real quick just to say that this game is very easy to play uh, on modern hardware because you've got it on uh, Sonic's uh, Genesis collection, which yeah, Paul actually how, gifted me a copy. That's, um, how I, that's why I played it too. Recently, played it with save states in that. Um, yeah. And you can also play it on Steam. Yeah, very cheap on Steam too. It's like 2 or $3, yeah. I think. So different ways to play it, and, and you can just buy the original game. It's not too expensive either. Exactly. Very cool. Uh, Jackson Sanal says, from the moment the Sega logo faded away and the music started to play, you knew you, you were about to experience greatness. From the incredible, gorgeous gra graphics to the amazing music, this game is a gem amongst gems. Uh, 
Uh, James Woodard said, I really tried. It's one that I didn't <laughs> have as a kid. I picked it up when I got back into retro gaming around 2005. I think I got pretty close to the end, but I didn't complete it. It's tedious, honestly. I think Fantasy Star 1 did mazes better with inferior hardware. The music and graphics are all nice and all, but it just didn't do it for me. Uh, Liam Piper says, This game is an absolute gem, even though this game is completely different to strategy RPGs that would follow with Shining Force onwards. I think this was a really good start to the franchise. The 3D dungeon calling is really fun and reminds me of one of my favorite games, Shin Megami Tensei. The game yeah. does allow for over... This game does allow for overleveling, which is helpful, especially when you get new party members. The graphics are timeless, and the music is awesome. One of my favorite Genesis RPGs. Uh, Dan Biscalia says, Jim, still not happy the map wasn't available game long. Was a spell if memory serves, but that's yeah. the only real complaint. Yep. Uh, Todd Darnell says, Jim, 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 I still have maps of the dungeons that I made over 20 years ago. It's slower paced and pretty tough, but back when it came out, I had tons of fun with this one. Plus, I had Gilius Thunderhead running the item shop. Can't go wrong with yeah. that. <laughs> nice. Jesse Ortis. Running the weapon shop, if I would. Yeah, yeah. Jesse Ortis says, Jim, for sure. Trevor Franklin says, I'm excited to hear about this one. It's one of the series I have never tried even once. That kind of reminds me of a certain podcast most people have never tried even once. <laughs> nope, I'm not saying <laughs> name, but my days of shameful peddling are behind me. Uh, Retro Bliss, yeah. Retro Bliss. <laughs> hey, they just covered Subterranean. Go check they them did. Out. They did. And, and did you see that post? So I have to mention this. I made a post about them covering Subterranea. <laughs> uh, and the way I worded the post, I, I hope got a chuckle out of somebody. But I said, uh, while listening to the latest episode of Retro Bliss, be sure to silently whisper, Genesis Gems. Genesis Gems. <laughs> Under your breath. Leave Genesis Gems a review on iTunes and check out our Patreon. Trevor Franklin, the host of Retro Bliss, would really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> he would. I like that. <laughs> That's great. Very good. Man, there's a lot of comments on here. I think we're almost there. Uh, Giles Lee Brown <laughs> says, Don't like it personally. I've dipped into two and will again when I finally finish uh, Fantasy Star Ford. Jim Jones says, Never played it, but the cover art is Jimtastic. <laughs> Sean Robinson says, From what I remember, I liked what little I played of Shining in the Darkness as part of the Sega collection on Steam. Chris Vanderhoff said, Never played it, but looks to be right up my alley. Ken Casimal says, That, sir, is a game. <laughs> <laughs> game. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it is a game. I was kind of wonder, wondering if he meant to say Jim, but... <laughs> came out game. You never know with autocorrect on your phones. No. Uh, Gabe Van Gilder says, Dude, I so want to play this game. Philip Gibbs, Philip Gibbs says, I haven't got too far in the game, but I would say this game is definitely a gem. My main problem with it is the lack of an inbuilt map, but I understand why it isn't there, though. It does make it difficult to play after leaving it for a few months and forgetting where my notes went. <laughs> that was kind of like the artificial difficulty thing that a lot of developers, that and, and memory space constraints. Yeah. Um, though, you know what? I want to say Swords and Serpents on oh, wow. the NES actually had an auto map feature. But here's the problem with that auto map. I ended up looking at the auto map way more than I looked at the actual game. <laughs> Basically, I was just looking at the auto map. I wasn't paying attention to the, you know, the actual dungeon layouts. <laughs> so it does kind of force you to pay attention to what you're looking at. Though I will say, um, if you like games like this, um, the Etrian Odyssey series kind of fixes that problem by. Uh, you get an auto map, I think, on the bottom of the screen, but you actually draw it <laughs> as you go. 
with yeah, your staff. Yeah, I remember. It's pretty interesting. I had a pretty demo neat. demo one of those games for my DS or something. I remember doing something like it. Use the music. Yeah, that cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we got three more or two more. Yeah, yeah, yeah go for it. Uh, Brody Pedal says I had never played this game until now, but I got the ROM and have been playing it on my phone. What a great little mobile game it makes. Fast forward really helps with the grinding and controls. <laughs> Uh, and controls minimal to touchscreen too. Jim, all the way. Yeah, that's that's what I did. I mean, I used uh, <laughs> I beat the game on my daughter's tablet. <laughs> and the uh, last one comes from uh, missing co-host Rob Luther, who was going to try to make it to the show. Uh, of course, you know, with all of our reschedule. Landing, you know, wishes were fishes. <laughs> <laughs> but Rob says, guys, I'm just going to spoil my verdict on this game. It's a gem for me all the way. I've just got to get back into Shining in the Darkness shape. Someone give me a montage. <laughs> I'm sure he would have had a cool skip to go along with us if he was here. But, uh, so yeah, it uh, looks like for the most part I didn't do a tally or anything, but it seems like the listeners really think this game's a gem. Um, and with my limited experience, I'm not, I would never say this game's garbage because I think for the time it definitely definitely had a good influence it looked like it had been a great game if i were in the rpgs as a, as a kid but i'm gonna go ahead and say this game's good i had fun with it while i played it but i just got so fed up um and i think a lot of it just has to do with my addiction to skyrim right now i kept putting it down yeah, to play skyrim I think it is you know you and your modern graphics and <laughs> i don't playing know it on a nintendo console i know kinda... man it, it just it just kind of uh, maybe that was part of like, it you know, kind of like Camelot, they, they made all these Shining Force games, and then you know what? They went to the dark side. They started making games for Nintendo, and they never went right. back. You're probably right. But um, I, I I see the appeal of the game. I understand why people love it so much. Um, I, I personally would rather go back and play Shining uh, Soul 2 on Game Boy Advance, because that was one of my favorite Game Boy Advance games, uh, especially in the Shining series. But um, I, I'm going to say... You wrong, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I've been wrong many times before. Oh, no, you're uh, fine. But um, it, just being honest, I really tried. I even tried to give myself a few more nights to get into it. <laughs> just, no, I, I'm happy with a good from you considering the struggle you had with this game. Uh, so. I, for, for, for when I really was into it, you know, like I said, I really grinded for a while, and then I was kind of watching TV as I did it, and I was enjoying that, but I, I yeah. just I could not stick with it. And I, it again, you have a good podcast on the you know, Genesis Gems. Yeah. Um, it, Helps the time pass. Yeah, but play again, this game while you listen to this episode. There you go. Do that. It sounds and, like a and great take idea. Aaron, take Aaron and Paul's pointers because you definitely don't want to hear mine. But um, <laughs> I, I think if don't I were, die. I think if I were, Just you know, die, little Nick back in the early '90s and and knew what RPGs could be fun. I just never gave him a ch- chance when I was a kid. I just little wanted Nick. to. Pl- Wanted to play, yeah, little Nikki. I wanted to play action games, action games, you know, and I didn't get into RPGs till later. I think I would have enjoyed it more, but it's just kind of hard for me to go back and enjoy this with no, this, no nostalgia. Yeah, and this is something I talked about. Well, Dan Basilia, my buddy, uh, who comments on our show, uh, I was visiting him in Austin, and we were talking about this how there are some RPGs where, you know, if you grew up with a certain type of RPG, you're nostalgic for it and so it's not too hard to go back for it and, and play it and look over some of the, the faults of the time yeah. and just design decisions you know like the lack of tool tips or lack of uh, <laughs> um, journaling or that sort of thing and, you, and you're okay with that um, especially yeah. with Japanese RPGs a lot of the design especially um, I would say with this game it's pretty straightforward a lot of the a lot of it is just like what you grew up with, I guess. Uh, and, and like you said, if, if you didn't grow up so much with this type of RPG, then it might be hard. It might be a hard game to get into. And, and I understand what you're saying about Orcs and Elves. That game definitely eases you into it a lot more. Yeah, big time. 
Yeah, and I think you and I were chatting today. Like, I, I went back and played Chrono Trigger. You know, I, I didn't touch that game at all when it came out, and I played it on the DS. And I love that game. Was addicted to it. Couldn't put it down. And just I could pick it up now and play. Probably get addicted to it like I am Skyrim again. But games like that, and um, yeah, I went back and played a lot like Super Mario RPG and some of those other games like that. I, I loved, but I don't know. I just can't get into this one. But I, I will say it's good. I, I respect everything it did. I thought the style was cool. Art, art, the art in this game was fantastic. Um, all the enemies had a real cool look and things like that. So I definitely get it in the gym. And I, or uh, getting good. <laughs> and I'll pass it on to you guys. All right, that's a gem. That's yeah, a gem. <laughs> that's a wrap. Uh, yeah, so I will definitely say it's a gem um, for me. I just I have so much nostalgia for this game, and even stripping that away, um, I think it's just a really engaging, fun game with a, a good gameplay loop. I like the whole go to the dungeon, kill some monsters, return to town, get some better loot, you know, level up gain new spells, talk to, you know, interesting people, share a drink. Maybe not so much that you're like 17, <laughs> but, you know, get, get to know everybody in the town and, um, you know, just find interesting things happening. I, what, that's why I think it's it's kind of a, a cozier experience, I guess you'd say, where because of the perspective and the fact that you're not going to a million different towns over a world map you really get to know uh the, the characters and their little quirks and uh and things like that and, and as you progress you know they, they say different things so I, I think it's neat for an rpg to do that uh but yeah overall i, I loved the the game itself and um the heightened sense of tension as you go through it, as you fight harder and harder enemies and have to use your new abilities. Um, I, I just love that sort of thing. And yeah, the auto map is frustrating uh, where it's just kind of janky and you have to use a spell. You're only seeing part of the map. And some of the stuff I mentioned before, like the fact that uh, using uh, you know, your equipment feature when you go equip someone or you go use an item it's like a one time thing like you do it and then it pops you out of the menu completely so you gotta do it again for another character that can wear thin a little bit but um, overall it's still one of my favorite Sega Genesis RPGs and with that it's definitely garbage it's garbage all the way I'm even on this show thank what a you turn. guys <laughs> what a heel turn. I Turns out it. I've been Dark Soul the whole time. <laughs> I know. You what a twist. Wah, wah, wah. You put the twist in. Okay, so let's be honest. Um, it, it's Jim. I did just want to say, though, that who else thought Dark Soul was going to turn out to be the main character's father? I mean, I know I did. <laughs> because the guy kind of looks like Luke anyways. He looks like a little page boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just trying to run some chores for his uncle. And, you know, here this dude <laughs> pops up and it's... Yeah, this totally is dead. It's got to be. That's not a spoiler, by the way. I'm just <laughs> speculating for you people who haven't played it. You can fool me. All right, Paul, go ahead, buddy. Oh, I'm, I'm totally with you when you were talking with your friend about like uh, the nostalgia of games and you grew up playing the games. And like I said, I played Fantasy Star, so I always like into the dungeon crawling aspects and I just have so much nostalgia for this game. Um, and kind of like Nick, um, I know one of the games, Aaron, that you really like is uh, Starflight, right? 
Yeah, um, yeah, I love Starflight. I've tried playing it so many times, and I'm still <laughs> trying to play it. And like, I like, I know it's a good game, but it's like, it's like it's this. Like once you get into a good gameplay, exactly. Loop with it, it's like once you start uh, getting, you get have it. the map handy. You yeah, get the map exactly. handy. Uh, and then you realize that, oh, I don't have to fight all the enemies. I can talk to them. You can talk to a lot of them and nego negotiate your way out. But, like, I don't know, for, like, beginners of RPGs, if this is yeah. something you want to start. It's Especially, like, it's... Uh, Western RPGs. Japanese yeah. RPGs are a little better in that regard at holding your hand a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, in terms of first-person dungeon crawlers, this game holds your hand way more than any of the earlier Very RPGs. much so. Yeah. And I, I just love the, the style of the game and, again, how whimsical. The music is so fitting, the characters, and just... This game just doesn't take itself that seriously. Like, the story's just kind of out there, and it's, it it's you know, it's so quirky and stuff like that. And I, like, it, it's a great game. I, I'm, I'm, I think it's garbage, too, Aaron. Yeah, it's total, total garbage. You know, I, I can't agree with Nick that it's good. Yeah. It's total garbage. I mean... A steaming, shining pile of garbage. In the darkness. In the darkness. <laughs> it's better, better that way, I guess. So I'm going to have to say it's a gem for sure. Absolutely. And, oh. and we didn't really talk about this much, but um, Nick, did you ever play the sequel? Or the spiritual successor? Did you ever play uh, Shining the Holy Ark? I did not. That, that actually... I think fixes some of the issues you might have had. It actually adds um, an explorable overworld quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more like uh, the game you mentioned, uh, Atrian Odyssey. It kind of, the the yeah. maps are kind of like it, that. I where forgot you, if it had an auto map. I think it did. I think so, yeah. it's. I played it like two years ago and I literally bought the game as like a rental it was expensive it was like 100 bucks complete yeah. and i played wow. i played i played through it but i'm like i'm not gonna play it again so i just resold it for i think i actually made like five bucks reselling it because <laughs> the value went up but i wanted to play it on its original hardware because i just love this the um the series of this game and i missed it you know it, the game came out when i was in high school and i was just in the sports so i just didn't have a chance to play it and then no one had a saturn either everyone had like the n64 and PlayStation. i was the so. kid with the saturn yeah so. like my buddies were like <laughs> Let's go over and play your Saturn. They want to play Saturn Bomberman. Yeah, no one I knew had a Saturn, so I didn't. I didn't even know the game existed. All right, well, let's lay this big gavel down. I believe the listeners and you all definitely outweigh me on this, but uh, let's call it "Shining in the Darkness" a gym. Bam! We still need to get that uh, awesome. Genesis Gym gavel out to our <laughs> as a gift one of these days. Yes, that would be so great. Even if it's just like a little keychain or something. Yeah, I need to. There, there's got to be an easy way to make a gavel or buy one with a logo <laughs> on it. <laughs> Alright. Well, guys, I'm not. You know, make it out of uh, old Sega Genesis cartridges. You know, <laughs> plastic gavel. <laughs> or Super Nintendo games. There you go. I wonder if I could type in cuts and gavels. We'll, yeah. we'll figure that out. <laughs> but, um, anyways, I don't really know what we're going to play next, Aaron. We're going to have to talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, I, I have a, a few ideas. Definitely, we'll save the, you know, because RPG games take us a while to prepare for, yeah. it would definitely be something a little simpler than that. Sounds good to me. But uh, how about I'll I'll pick a game for us. Okay, let's do that because I think it's been All a right. while. It's been a while since you picked one because the listeners been picked it last time. I think before that, Andrew Coe did Moonwalker, and we had of course Flashback sometime, and yeah. So hey, you can get squeezy gavels like little uh, stress yeah. reliever. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> so, um, we were going to rank this game, right? 
rent this game. Rank. Rank. I thought you said rent Rank. this game. Rent. Yeah, we're going to rent this game. I was gonna I'm go glad to you said Buster. that because I totally just like completely went over that note. <laughs> so, yeah, let's pull up the ranking sheet here. If I can get my spreadsheet to open. I know exactly where I'd put it. But I know where I'm looking at it too, man. I know where I'd put it, and I'd, it, it's a fair place to put it for I have to put, as I much as I enjoy this game. Yeah. So it's it kind of be surprising for me. I, I would probably put it. Um, so okay, so 13 is Beyond Oasis. 14 is NHL 94. 15 is Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse. I would probably put it somewhere right in that range. Um. I know Nick would probably put it a bit lower. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you guys are going to outvote me here, so it's really well, up to you guys. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we will be considerate. Um, That's what I was trying to be, too, because I'm looking so at the wh- games. Where would you put it? Um, so I'm looking at the list, and, like, the top is really solid. And those are games I will cons- – I always, like, think of games like I want to – you know, if you own, like, I don't know, let's say, like, 10 or 20 games, like – the games you're always going to go back and play. Like, so this game, like, I'll go back and play it, but not as often as what you guys have. Yeah, it's a once-in-a-while game because it, it's yeah. a time sink. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So when I was looking at the list, I'm like, I would probably put it above NBA Live 95 and between Contra Hard Corps. Oh, okay. Because um, all those games yeah. on top of that, I'd probably play those more often or pick them up and play um so i would be in that range it's definitely yeah, it's I, definitely I more memorable it, uh, i mean it, it's definitely it needs to be above like rock and roll racing and all that stuff for sure yeah, yeah so i yeah. i don't mind putting it in the uh in the 20 slot and okay. bumping everything down i'm not going to disagree because like i said I, 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 <laughs> hey I, I think it's, it's better than where i had it before which was in between beyond oasis and nhl 94 so yeah i couldn't say it's better than uh <laughs> <laughs> the castle evolution <laughs> that'd be hard for me to yeah to no i understand so okay we are going to make shining in the darkness our number 20 game uh that brings it underneath contra hard corpse at 19 so it'd be shining in the darkness 20 nba live 95 21 rock and roll racing 22 and so on so go check out our website it should be there uh whenever you hear this episode and that will conclude our ranking for this game and i gotta remember what episode we're on so i can type it in 65 <laughs> After uh, 50, I kind of, not that I've lost track, I just, it's, it's like 50 happened and then everything's just going real, real fast now. All right. So. Did you have any, you you were surprisingly light on the jokes, the dad jokes. <laughs> I know. I didn't even hear one. I'm so surprised. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I haven't had any new ones lately. So I'm sure I can. Very... I'm sure. Let's uh, see. There's a. Uh... My, uh, so my, my grandpa eats these popsicles yeah. and uh, they have little jokes on the popsicle sticks and he saves them in this little suitcase he has and every every uh, every night he wakes up in the middle of the night and he goes on Facebook and he, and he posts the joke. It's, it's kind of hilarious. It's this little thing. So uh, his latest one, that's <laughs> kind of funny, uh, he posted. It says, what did the beaver say to the tree? It's, been, that- it's been nice gnawing you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one for you in the same vein because it's about insects and 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 because we're talking about dungeon crawlers. What do you call a magical flying insect? What's that? A spelling bee. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. There you go. There's my joke for the episode. 
I know. I'm I'm so upset, man. I actually, um, like listening to all the episodes back, I'm like, I would tell, I would actually tell my daughter jokes. I would look them up because I remember you telling so many jokes. I'm yeah. like, and some of them are tricky or funny. Oh. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have to find some jokes to start telling my daughter. I, 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 she I found loves them. She laughs. I found another one. Um, what's the best way for an adventurer to fly around? What's that? Auto magically. Let's <laughs> 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 <That's> good. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I know I've said it the past few episodes, but I'm literally going to start typing in my outline stupid jokes so I can remember. <laughs> Usually, I try to find some with the theme of the game that didn't work out this time. Sorry, guys. How, how do how do wizards calculate sums? Arithmetic. <laughs> <laughs> it literally says arithmetic. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I've scraped the bottom. You gotta love it. Oh, jeez. How about this one? Why did the king go to the dentist? Why is that? To get his teeth crowned. <laughs> all right all right guys well you guys need to plug retro obscura because it's going to come back right yes we're actually recording an episode crossing my fingers tomorrow night Sweet. doing two shows back to back here so we've got an episode on a lesser known Atari 8-bit commodore 64 spectrum game called it started out as zombies and then it got renamed to realm of impossibilities so check that out and we'll be sure to get that up as soon as possible sweet very excited to hear that again i always love that show I, and usually when i when i hear that show like a lot of times i don't do this whenever i listen to retro Secure, i'm like i gotta go look at that game because i'm just there's just things i've never heard of very, very <laughs> that, that's what makes it so cool, always something yeah always something unique to talk about yeah, yeah. And, and, and because we, we cover the you know the, the weird and forgotten games basically some of the best part of just being a retro gamer is going back and and playing the games you didn't play and i think that's so cool so yeah and sometimes you know calling a gem garbage there you it's, go <laughs> <laughs> that's always fun too yeah. yeah. Well, Paul, thanks so much for joining us, man. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Definitely won't be the last time. We'll have to have you on here Great. again. It's always good. Maybe you can have one of us on uh, Master System Masterpiece. That's right. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Well, with that, we are the Genesis Gems. Check us out at GenesisGemsPodcast.com. All the links are there. Appreciate everything you all do for listening, for supporting on Patreon, all that good stuff. Really do. And with that, guys, we will catch you later. Later, guys. Later.